This is Monster of the Week. I'm Jeremy Greer. It's got Chris and Jeremy. I'm Chris Mosier. Sam is gone and Dean's got work. Honestly, I care less about him. He's a dick and a coward. Come back, bitch and jerk. And this is Monster of the Week, the creepy but necessary podcast where Chris and I are covering every single episode of the TV show Supernatural. And we are back. We are we are further into season six. I am still kind of excited about this season, but it's starting to show its cracks. Chris, how, how are you feeling? Yeah, same way. The, the back half of season six is not delivering on some of the promise that was in the beginning of season six. But at the end of the day, we got our hunks and, the, and I'm thankful for that. And uh, this week we get hunks out, hunks in the old west, which I'm very much appreciative of, and uh, a weird bit of time travel, which we're going to be covering today. And I'm I'm pretty excited about yeah. that. Yeah, some good, some uh, some fun stuff going on here. Before we do that, though, I just want to make a, a quick announcement that we have reached our first goal on Patreon. In fact, we did it. Oh yeah, minutes before like half we, an hour ago <laughs> before we started <laughs> recording this podcast. So um, huge thanks to I got to find this person's name. Uh, they're listed as Getsu on Patreon. So, th- huge thanks to Getsu for putting us over. Uh, that first goal yes, was to you, cover thank you, thank you. Uh, the first series of supernatural comic books called Supernatural Origins. This is available on uh, Amazon Kindle for like 12 bucks for all six issues. If you go to Comixology, you can. Uh, you can read the first issue for free, and then like the other five issues are two bucks each. So you can actually save. A- <clears throat> excuse me save a little bit of money going that way so uh yeah we'll be we'll have more announcements we're not quite ready neither one of us have read the comics we have to make time to record we have some uh behind the scenes stuff like we'll probably need to make new art and all that kind of stuff for for this so bear with us it'll be maybe a few weeks before we get those out but we'll definitely have them out to you shortly uh so thank you everybody for supporting us and we can't wait to reach that next goal so yeah yes thank you thank you thank you patreon.com slash monster of the week chris can you please explain what has been happening in season six because i am man it's been like a week since i've watched supernatural and i'm a little confused okay so starting from when sam got his soul back um i i want to say that the two big ticket numbers war in heaven shit's heating up castiel our good friend castiel i don't know about you jeremy but i feel like he's been acting a little bit shady as of late um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's doing his thing some weapons are going missing some weapons are being found sam and dean are being possibly used as bait there's there's that whole uh situation happening and on the other hand we have m- the mother of all um the mother of all monsters aka eve this creature from purgatory who has seemingly birthed all monsters that we know of in the world of supernatural and um we don't know how to kill her yet she's creating new breeds of monsters sam killed his grandfather and rufus just died too because also gwen we always forget about gwen Basically, uh, our crew is trying to hunt these things, right? That sounds that sounds accurate. It's vague, it. but it's accurate. No, no, you you nailed it. We um, thank, thank you. So the, uh, the the big thing here is is Castiel acting a little weird, uh, which is which is unusual. Yeah. We something's going up. Acting kind of shady, ain't calling me baby. That's what I, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's that new Taylor Swift song, right? Yep. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that tell me that doesn't sound like a Taylor Swift song. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you're right. You're not wrong. I'll tell you that much. 
my favorite thing to do on my old hate mail Tumblr blog was to respond to hate mail for having a Tumblr blog with Taylor Swift gifts. And I don't, I don't know why, <laughs> but it always just amused me and I loved it so much. <laughs> the, uh, the first episode we're going to cover today is my heart will go on written by Eric Carmelo and Nicole Snyder directed by our old friend, Phil <laughs> Sigricia. <laughs> <laughs> this aired on April 15th, 2011. Sam and Dean tempt fate after Balthazar changes history and keeps the Titanic. Wow, we're just going to get, we're getting right into it. Okay. Just getting it. Uh, after Balthazar changes history and keeps the Titanic from sinking, fate intervenes and begins killing those that would have died on the ship. Castiel tells Sam and Dean that fate is very upset with the two of them, and the only other way to stay alive is to kill her. Yeah, that's uh, a big part of the episode. That that like there's a good twenty minutes of them trying to figure out why people are dying. So we can just skip right past yeah. those those minutes. We don't have to worry about covering Thankfully, those. Thankfully, they just yeah they covered it for us. Um, this episode is mm, it's that it's that sound I just made, and it's got some fun stuff in it. That's all. It has it has a few fun moments, but overall, it's just another sort of like middle of the season episode. Um, you, I think you said to me that, you know, plays into some fan service stuff that you weren't super into and it kind of goes nowhere, but, um, let's see, let's see what we can pull out of it because uh, there, there are some fun references and stuff here. So, um, there's some really good jokes. We start our episode off. There's some good jokes. There's some great jokes. There's one scene in particular that I actually really like that's really stupid, but, uh, we start off with a, like a final destination sort of cold open with this guy in his garage like working on some stuff and everything he does is seems like it's a recipe for disaster like a skateboard is going to fall under him and he's going to slip and die and you know something we can just tell right away like uh oh death is out for this guy i thought we were going to have a ghost with a sense of humor that's what i was looking forward to right here i thought thought a a ghost that likes to kill people and increasingly this is uh macaulay culkin's ghost this is the ghost of the movie home alone (laughs) it just wants to kill somebody (laughs) in a series of escalating dares uh yeah, this is this is this is fine. This is a typical cold open for Supernatural, uh, like the the back and forth and the almost falling on the the garden rake or whatever and stabbing his eyes out, only to be almost decapitated by a uh, garage door. Which Chris, I don't know if you know anything about garage doors, but that's not possible. <laughs> that's no, just, I, I mean, I don't think it is. Yeah, they don't put they don't put blades at the end of their garage doors because why? Because no. this could happen. <laughs> this there's no way. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe he'd have like a crushed windpipe or some bruising. But I don't. I'm not so sure about the full guillotine effect. But you know, we you get what you get. Yeah, they've they've got. I've seen this 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 thing, and it always bugs me when I see it. I don't I don't know why. It's one of those like patented Jeremy Greer annoyances when it comes to horror movies. But like the garage door <laughs> strangling you or bashing your head in or whatever. Like just garage doors just don't work like that. Why is this such a thing? Like it's just it's just a it's just putting it's just I don't know, man. I'm just gonna stop talking about it because it irritates me. Well, after our final destination cold open, we are treated to the boys hanging out at Bobby's house just sort of awkwardly hanging in the doorway, um, trying to decide who's going to go talk to depressed, grumpy Bobby, who's, I think he's just drinking whiskey in the middle of the day. And um, obviously, he's he's upset about it. His old pal Rufus dying last episode. Um, I didn't notice. I mean, I noticed it, but I didn't, it didn't put the pieces together because I didn't realize which episode this was until a little bit later. Um, the first sign that something is wrong here is that Sam and Dean play rock, paper, scissors and Sam loses, yep. which doesn't happen. Exactly. I was going to bring that up. And that was the first moment I was like, yeah. hey, wait a minute. Dean always picks rock and he picks scissors. What What, what are you doing? Yeah, he's <laughs> I just I love that that 
fact about Dean is that he's just so stubbornly picks the same thing every time. And it's like a perfect like character uh whatever character analysis of the two brothers is that Dean always picks the same thing because he's stubborn and he sticks to his guns and he knows what he's what he's about. And Sam is just like taking in that information and then like using that information for his own game. <laughs> it's a good it's a good metaphor for the two brothers. It's a good metaphor for the way Dean does like any of this big cosmic shit it's always him digging his heels in the mud and just stay i'm just gonna do what dean wants to do and that's it like even when literal death is telling him hey you need to you need to be a little bit more you just need to go with the flow a little bit he's like nope nope sorry (laughs) i learned that lesson now i've totally forgotten it um yeah the they do the rock paper scissors thing and uh bobby is after them to try to get them to help him research eve uh because they they know Mm -hmm. the mother of all is out there they don't really know anything else about it though um they uh sam has the idea to get him to go out on a job like just to kind of shake out the cobwebs and uh before that can happen bobby just completely kicks him out of his out of his house which is pretty fun just get out of here go 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 and uh there's something about sam's wardrobe in this episode it's like he's got a really big jacket on and really big jeans that i kept being like i know he's a huge dude but he looks like a little kid swimming in those clothes what is going on? I don't know if you noticed it, but for some reason, <laughs> Sam just seemed like a little kid in this episode. Like, uh, they need, they ordered all of his wardrobes w- with one X too many in it. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, I know he, I know he needs a lot of X's, but that was one too many. <laughs> one X over the line, Sam Winchester. <laughs> um, I know he needs gigantic darks, but we don't need extra gigantic darks. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, so they, they decide to go on on this hunt um and it's it's the hunt from our cold open uh because several people have died in like really random ways in this small town and uh they go and load up in their mustang mm-hmm. to take off to this job and they they are talking about um her coming back do you know when she'll be back to see bobby things like that mm-hmm. and we don't really know who that is until uh they drive off and we go back to bobby and ellen shows up <laughs> dead ellen yes that ellen yeah. the ellen that died like two years ago maybe three years now i'm having a hard time remembering uh season five so it was one year ago <laughs> yeah wow jesus right was it season five yeah it was season five man i wrote this and i i was i'm gonna read you my notes i wrote oh shit it's ellen and then i went i swore she died right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they uh they have written her back into the the story. Uh, she specifically says that she's uh, been hunting with Joe lately, so Joe is alive too, even though Joe does not make an appearance in this episode because you know money probably. Um, for the same reason that Castiel doesn't really make an appearance, many appearances in these episodes. Uh, but they at at this time, Bobby and Ellen are married, like they're in a relationship. Uh, we see there's going to be some lingering cuts on a uh, picture that's on Bobby's table. Uh, and now it's instead of like Singer Automotive Yard or Scrapyard, it's B and E, as in Bobby and Ellen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, before we get too far into this, this is going to happen throughout the episode. Um, so I just want to go ahead and get the poison out now. I do not like this. I feel like this is uh, just just this is just I, I can't even I don't even know what call it if I'd call it fan service because I don't know if this was like a ship that the fans were really clamoring for. Uh, I. I just this feels like it comes out of nowhere. Like at no point did I ever feel that Bobby and Ellen were anything more than just, you know, casual acquaintances that were in the same business or that would team up to save the world together. Uh I 
am I missing this? Did the show imply that this stuff was happening and I just completely miss it? Or does this feel as out of place to you as it does for me? Yeah, I, uh, it doesn't, I mean, it's obviously supposed to key you in right away. Like, Hey, just FYI, like, look, (laughs) I mean, Ellen and Joe are dead and here they are. Ellen's married to Bobby. None of this makes any sense. Um, and I was like, you're right. It doesn't make any sense. What is happening here? Because you're right. They, I mean, I guess in this this timeline, they're, the stakes are different. Like, maybe it's not supposed to be like a, like a ship or like a fan service thing. It's just supposed to be like, look how different everything can be from just one thing changing. Where in the regular timeline, um, Bobby and Ellen are, like you said, basically casual acquaintances. They know each other through Sam and Dean. I mean, all hunters seem like they know each other, but there's never, never, never anything between them whatsoever. But in this timeline, in fact, they're married, I guess is a possibility. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, I don't, I just, it's just a big, a big red flag that, okay, we're dealing, we're dealing with something else here. Reality isn't the same. Yeah. And that, and I get that. Like they, they are, they are laying this on thick to show us that there's something dramatic has changed. And of course we know what it is right now because we we read the the, op- the, the description of the episode yeah. <laughs> um and also like we you know we have seen the episodes before so we kind of i knew as soon as i saw my heart were going on I, re- I remember this episode specifically um mm-hmm. i i just i just feel like this they they write this in such a way to as if i'm expected to have a bunch of emotions about it um sure at some point you know the the fix for this whole thing is to uh go back in time and to sink the ship and, and i think even ellen says that at one point and of course Ellen says that without realizing that that's going to mean she's dead. And Bobby is mm-hmm. extremely emotional about it and like crying and everything else. And I'm get it. Like he, in this timeline, she's his wife, but as the viewer, it, this just left me kind of like, okay, dude, I see like you're, you're playing like the, you're, you're plucking the heartstrings. Like you're doing the country song thing where you're trying to specifically go after my emotions. And I, I just I feel like I'm too smart for it. Like that, that that's not me bragging or tooting my own horn or anything. I just feel like anybody who watches this would be too smart for it because sure. there's been no build up to this. Like all of a sudden they're just they just smashed them together. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I totally understand that. Um, the heartstring thing sort of oh, don't have any effect on me in this episode. And you know me, like I love getting sappy about my hunks, uh, and I love Bobby. Bobby is he's sort of always like. Uh, a, a go-to for me like when bobby gets emotional about something i get emotional about something and there's usually a like a pretty solid one-to-one about those um but here yeah it it's because it's used as like a, a plot device of they can't just fix the problem because bobby will be sad and that i don't know maybe it's be, because it's just a plot device that i i don't it doesn't work on me this time mm-hmm. around um but yeah, it's just it sets it tries to set up like I guess the B plot of the of the episode. I don't really know. It's I think I think it's fair to say that it just this just doesn't work for either of us. Yeah, and I, I agree. I don't think it works for either one of us. I um I think what they're what they're trying to do, and as we'll get to the, the the end of the episode, they're trying to show that all of this weird shit that the angels are doing have consequences, have real world consequences, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's not just as simple as changing one one thing and then expecting everything else to be fine. Um, and the reasons for doing this are, are, are deceptively given to, to Sam and Dean, but we, we, we kind of find out later in the episode that th- those reasons aren't necessarily true either. Uh, so it's, it's, it's weird. I, this specifically feels like, Oh, we have these two characters. We want to bring Ellen back. 
they're about the same age. <laughs> let's let's smash them together. Yeah. And this entire <laughs> fandom seems to like thrive on putting characters of the show together and creating tumblers and YouTubes around them. So let's 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 give them something to talk about to play that old uh, yeah. country song. I, I and again, I'm not going to keep bringing it up. I just wanted to bring it up this first time and just say that like it just. It feels real lovey-dovey at the first. It just feels very manipulative. I know I've said that about Supernatural in the past, and I'm sorry. I'll probably keep saying it in times where I feel it, it's, it's that way. But uh, this just this it does the opposite of what I think they wanted it to do. Like I think it was supposed to draw me yeah. into the story and make me because I'm kind of the same with you. Usually, if Bobby's doing something, I'm usually there with Bobby. And if Bobby's hurt or mm-hmm. he's feeling emotional or if he's you know feeling like he's useless because he doesn't have legs anymore. I am in that trench as well. Like I feel like that dude is a good enough actor to bring me into that with him and to make me experience that. And, uh, and he still sells it here. He's still not any less of a good actor. It just, it, the whole thing comes off as contrived in a way that I I do not like. Yeah. I I feel you on that. Um, I think that for season six and seven, there's going to be a little bit more of us not, not feeling a vibe on things. Um, not to detract from the podcast, I think we're always going to love Supernatural and, and their characters in it and everything like that. But I also do think that we're really going to find a groove with this again, where we're just all over everything. Um, it's just there are a few more moments like this that stand out to us as not fitting in. Yeah. And even when I was watching the the Western episode, I went into it thinking, uh, why is Dean going to duel somebody? It doesn't seem that that seems like something <laughs> season one Dean would do. That's the reckless kid doing that. But Dean's grown up now. He's a man and he's. He's a lot more responsible, um, but it does. You know, when I watched the episode, I thought, okay, that worked out a little bit more than I expected it to. But I still, I sort of have those those reservations with season six now. And um, anyway, let's not get too hung up on that. Let's keep moving. The boys have to go, and they, they gotta they gotta do their investigating, and they gotta put on those suits. And I think is this when we start to see another another kill? I don't think so. I think the, the, the another kill comes becomes later. It's after oh, we that's meet right, the lawyer. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So that's right. Um, Dean goes to investigate this lawyer because there's a basically there's been whole families that are that are going down, um, in, in weird different ways. And uh, Dean does maybe the worst job asking this lawyer what's up with his mm-hmm. life that I have ever seen. And and like at one point he asked asked this lawyer if his grandma pissed off a gypsy, which is mm-hmm. not cool on a couple of different levels. <laughs> Like, yeah, he's just being really terrible at this, and it's it's it makes me think like, does this whole time thing like them this shift mean that Dean is bad as a, in his job now? <laughs> like, is yeah. that what's happening? There's some weird. I mean, I I love. I mean, the perfect example of this is is Dean when he's on his own in the Scarecrow episode of season one, when like Dean is 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 almost ninety percent competent at like what he does, but there are just the moments where the the personal touch slips away a little bit, and that's where he needs Sam to back him up. Mm-hmm. Um. But here it's like, first of all, the scene is weird. He's sitting down talking to this, you know, schmutzy lawyer guy who clearly is like, I, I don't want to talk to you. I don't care about anything. My cousin died or whoever it is. I don't even know. And like, I don't give a shit. I wasn't close with them. And Dean, they just, well, first of all, they do a lot of re- weird zoom ins on the lawyer. These just zoom shots that they, they keep getting closer to his face. And I, I was wondering what the deal with that was supposed to be. Um, but they just do not try at all to sell Dean to this guy whatsoever. It's like Dean says like, Hey, you're in danger. And the guy says, Oh, what is that a threat? And I can see why a lawyer would, would take something like this. This guy's personality suggests, um, not just, just say, Oh, lawyers are all out. No, 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 This, this man, this type of person who's all about just bullshit. He is, um, I could see why he would take what Dean said as a threat, but then Dean, they just like, they don't do anything with him to try and, and sell it. To be like, hey, listen, no, 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 I'm not trying to 
to threaten you. He just like keeps prodding and asking more stupid questions, and eventually the guy just kicks him out. And it's like, okay, come on, we could have done better than this. And the threat thing, uh, like Dean responds to that by saying, "No, no, I'm just saying that your life is in danger. Are you, are you, are you, are you saying that you're going to kill me? Oh, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just saying that somebody's coming after you. Like it's just, it's just a ridiculous yeah. like escalation <laughs> on Dean's part. That's, I mean, it's funny. I think it's played to, it's played for humor, right? Like that's, that's fine. Yeah, it's just, for sure. For it sure. made me think if like. Uh, if other things had suddenly changed, if Dean was just bad at bad at this part of being a hunter now, um, <laughs> yeah. and this is where we get the next death, which is uh, a travel agent who, after a series of of a weird stuff, gets uh, strangled to death by her copy machine because her scarf scarf got caught into the automatic paper feeder. So yeah, that's a huge bummer. That is, uh, yeah, that's that's not great. <laughs> like that's a shitty way to die. I'm sorry, random travel agent lady who's not billed yeah. in the credits at all whoops so we don't um the victims the, the boys come and they investigate this as well and the victims aren't connected at all uh referring to the man from the cold open however dean did find a gold thread yep both times and that's the only thing that's really tying them together right now so i believe it's around here that dean calls ellen which is funny um and trying to trying to start piecing together like family lineages because they think that there's some sort of familial curse and they end up tracing these people back to being passengers on a ship called the titanic and we're going to quickly learn in this conversation that there's no movie about the titanic there was no uh accident with the titanic it's just a regular old ship that made a voyage successfully and that was that and it's nothing that anybody really knows about um obviously more red flags that this is probably what's wrong here because um it said in the episode description but also because the titanic sank in real life and they yeah it's just imagine if that was just canon of supernatural that the titanic didn't sink. i would love it it was just regular if canon. they just didn't fix it yeah absolutely yeah. It's, it comes up in weird ways like 14 years later or whatever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh i do want to note that ellen says that uh joe is hunting the same job and i i would i, would, I you know it's too expensive for a show like supernatural especially in season six uh, but I would I would have loved to see the you know some some Joe like out on her own hunting kind of montages in this, but we don't get any yeah. of that. Yeah, she's out on the West Coast doing the the same job because obviously it has far reaching mm-hmm. uh, effects. If it's you know what, however many thousand people on the Titanic survived that weren't meant to, and then they go on and they have families of generations of, of people who are now. Uh, I mean, who cares about spoilers? Like fate is is coming to. To take them all because this is not the natural order of things the number they keep throwing around is fifty thousand people as in like if they that's, if they fix this it's going to erase fifty thousand people from existence essentially which is it's a lot of people uh that's a lot of people they they notice this when they start going through the records of this titanic ship uh that it was almost hit an iceberg but it was saved at the last minute by a first mate who spotted the iceberg and uh was able to to turn them around it and the mate's name the first mate's name was ip freely and, yeah. uh, and they were immediately like, okay, here we go. But see, when I, when I heard IP freely, I'm like, oh, it's a trickster. And I'm like, oh, wait, he's not in the show. That's anymore. what I thought as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's tricks. It's trickster B side about this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's V neck trickster. Yeah. It's vegan trickster. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't insult vegans that way. Uh, yeah, it's V-neck trickster, Balthazar, who's in the photo of, of all of this. Um, it seems really weird that he would choose the name IP freely, by the way. I don't, I just, something about that just seems, like it seems a little petty. Not even petty, it seems a little uh, middle school, even for Balthazar. Like, Balthazar <laughs> hasn't really been that kind of dude up to this point, so. Sure, 
Sure. Um, um, but he, it's, well, it's time for some magic, Chris. It's time for some magic. <laughs> Boys, get out their wands. They shut the blinds, get out their wands, and they start having fun with one another, Chris. <laughs> Hashtag morethanbrothers.net. <laughs> Um, and so they, yeah, they, they summon him and, uh, I think there's some, there's some pretty good Destio lines in here. Oh yeah. Is this where she's, um, where he says something about, um, your boyfriend angel or something that I always, yeah, I think, I don't, I don't remember what the, what the exchange is, but Balthazar says, uh, you have me confused with the other angel, you know, the one in the dirty trench coat, the dirty trench coat who's in love with you. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, they can't be accidentally doing this stuff, right? I mean, like they know, they have to know. They know. At season they're, six, they're, yeah, it, it, I know. would, I'm willing to bet that they maybe hadn't gotten into it completely, but they have to know. They have to know. Uh, Balthazar is, is saying that he did this so that um, he would never have to watch that movie or listen to the Celine Dion song again. And of course, the boys are both. Mm-hmm. Who's Celine Dion? She's like, oh, she's just a, a failed lounge act in uh, can in Vancouver yeah. somewhere. So don't worry about yeah. her. <laughs> um, whoops. So that's, I guess that's a reasonable reason, way, a reasonable reason to go back in time and save 50,000 people, which is what he says. Like, oh, hey, you know, this is, this is supposed to be a, you know, I'm a hero. I saved a bunch of people and that's what you guys did. You saved a bunch of people, but yeah. Yeah. So it leaves the boys with a sort of, um, conundrum here because they, if they reverse it, all those people are going to die. If they don't reverse it, then all those people are going to die. Hmm. so um but well because i think that's they're dealing with the idea of like all these people will never be born or they can just die horrible deaths now so they're like well being not born is probably better than dying a horrible death that's not for you guys to decide first of all you're all playing with fire yep um but but bobby comes in here and he is just like no don't reverse it because i think he realizes at some point the information comes out that um ellen will be dead but, but if they reverse it, Balthazar specifically tells them because the boys mm-hmm. are, are like willing just to take Balthazar and his word because they're, you know, above a 14 IQ because <laughs> they fucking Balthazar. Uh, and so they, they kind of press him on what's happening. He says, oh, well, you know, Ellen and Joe would be dead if we go back and, and, and sink the boat. So when they tell Bobby that he kind of freaks out and he's like, no, no, we can't. We're going to find something else to do. And uh, he's he's very emotional about it, as as you might imagine. Uh, for sure. I, you know, for all of the. Uh, I guess to get back to it real quick, because th- this is going to come up here in a little bit. The uh, for all of the, t- the talking that I did about how I didn't like the fact that the writers put these two people together and smushed them together, uh, Bobby and Ellen specifically. I, mm-hmm. I do, I do think that these two actors share an extreme amount of chemistry with one another, and I think that like watching them argue back and forth in like an old married couple style is is really really fun. Like I wish, I wish yeah. I liked it more. I wish, in fact, I wish we could have kept Ellen on on you know for a long time. I wish she didn't have to die back in season five because boy, her saving Bobby through his suicide and alcoholism and all this other stuff and all of the things that Bobby has gone through, I think would be extremely interesting and having her take up the role of helping Bobby as the, the nexus of Hunter information. I'm just saying this off, off my head. I hadn't actually thought about yeah, this until now. And I'm loving this. Please. It almost, it, it bums go me back out in time and fix this. this. <laughs> it bums me out that you're saying this. Cause like, that sounds so great on, you know, when they, if they give it the time and the attention and not just a like, what if you know smush them together thing yeah then it, i think it could be great i mean the actors are just so great that it's it's just you, you you want it and um but but that's not what we got instead we just have um the boys what hunting 
some stuff. Yeah. Oh, they go to hunt down Russo, the lawyer. The lawyer, and they see uh, they save him from getting hit by a truck. Um, but of course, he's he's still you know justifiably a little wary of of Dean now that he's br- brought his gigantic friend Sam with him. Uh, yeah. And he runs into the street and gets hit by a bus right after being saved. So the lawyer is, is now dead too. Uh, and there's a really great joke in here because the bus has a, uh, a, a an advertisement for the lawyer <laughs> on the back of it. And Dean yeah. starts laughing out and he says too soon. And Sam's like, I think five seconds is a little, t- is always too soon. Yeah. Dean. <laughs> I think you have to wait longer than, you know, six <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah. It's a good little exchange. Um, but from there, so let's see. That's where they see fate. <laughs> That's where Sam sees fate in the in the window. He sees uh, someone that, I mean, like we haven't seen before, but a, a blonde woman with glasses that, that is looking at this. That he had just... I guess just trigs that that's that's fate. <laughs> I don't really know yeah. how he how he puts that together. He's just like, I think I see her. Let's go. Yeah. Um. Does Sam want to kill her? Yes. Is he saying something about killing her? Because I wrote down the notes. Sam says, "I want to kill her." AKA, he wants to bone down on her. Oh well, I don't think he says because he everyone, wants to bone down on him or anything. No, he doesn't. But 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 killing and boning down are might as well be the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. The curse of Sam Winchester. Did you see, um, I don't remember who sent it to us, someone, and I apologize, but someone sent us a, uh, like a, a, a flow chart of all of the things that happened to women on Supernatural. Oh no. And it was basically like, uh, does C- Dean like her or does Sam like her? And then both of them lead to death. Oh no. <laughs> I'll see if I can find that link in the show notes. I think it might be in our, uh, in our DM somewhere on Twitter, but that was, thank you, friendly, nice person who, who sent that to us. Um, so Dean wants to go talk to her, but. Does that pan out? I my my notes got vague here. I don't know what I was doing. Um. Yeah. So this is where they go in, and uh, they're like, it's this weird abandoned kitchen or something. So she freezes time. That's right. She freezes time. Yeah. We have tries to cook them alive. We haven't really talked about this a lot, but like that's we've seen this trick uh, a couple of times where time will freeze and then stuff gets moved around, and uh, and this time it's. She, we see her lighting all of like turning on all of the gas and um doing something to Dean's flashlight so that he tries to get the lighter uh out to so that he can see and of course Castiel saves them at the last minute and teleports him to mm-hmm. Europe for some reason <laughs> I guess yeah he says that they're in like the Balkans or something it's really weird <clears throat> oh yeah thing about this episode is really he weird. teleports them to white russia is what Castiel says unless i've that's right unless i've wrote that, that line down wrong which it's just some random like wide shot of a forest yeah um, and which looks nice like I, I love it when they go outside with this really stuff nice. and i wish they did they did more of it i can definitely see this probably cost them like fifty thousand dollars or something crazy i wonder if they used that space for a few other things maybe or maybe uh, an upcoming episode and they did some old some like pickup shots for this i who knows i don't understand how any i don't i don't even know most of the words i just said <laughs> so <laughs> I um, the Kaz ex- basically explains this whole situation, uh, and it says that like the only way to get it, the only way to handle this is to kill fate. Like they, he just, they just mm-hmm. have to. They have uh, to tempt fate, huh? Uh, uh-huh. uh, and that she is mad at them because they they averted the apocalypse, and that was that was her job. Um, like that was she was. She had been. She had a book, right? And she was. She was going yeah. by the book, and they they averted all of that. Which I appreciate that that sort of gets brought up because you would think that the apocalypse would come up more, being that it was just last season. I feel like it doesn't. 
Yeah, you would think that this thing would have more ramifications. Uh, I don't remember if we specifically talked about it when we were dealing with the French mistake, but when uh, in the French mistake, when Sam is asking Jen, uh, his his real world wife, about like the earthquakes and the typhoons and things, and the, the I was like, where did the show explain any of that? Like there was that brief like news thing, but you guys did not mm-hmm. talk about that at all. And I mean, I kind of wish you did. <laughs> like I want to see some real world after effects of of. Cause it, y'all did some freaky shit like that was some serious magic yeah. and that that would have yeah. ramifications in this world. So I want, I want to see what those are. They just, they did, they, they did really drop all of that. And I guess, I mean, what can you do to, to linger on it, but it makes the world feel less cohesive than it otherwise would have. If I'm, it feels like, I mean, season five was dealing with the fallout from season four, um, between season three and four, there was a sharp enough break because Dean had been gone and then we weren't really supposed to know what Sam was, was fully up to yet. But everything feels, for the most part, in the show, very cohesive building upon what came before. And I get that this is a kind of a, a fresh start because it's season, season six, it's after the big apocalypse, it's a new showrunner. So I get it. But at the same time, it season six also feels like a, a, a stark dividing line between the world of Supernatural, like what came before and what comes after. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of that stuff just gets left behind, and and it is what it is. But it is a shame that we don't get a little bit more of that. But I, I like that it comes up here. I like Me that too. it is a is a topic of uh, interest to some people, like fate. Yeah, because I mean, it's always fun when they introduce these cosmological characters too. Like the fact that there is, mm-hmm. you know, one of the three sisters is actually like a a blonde woman with glasses, looking like a librarian, and running around killing yeah. people in increasingly bizarre ways uh is is interesting and cool like i think that, that i think that's fun um for sure they uh castiel also tells them that balthazar has a weapon to kill her and uh, that they just keep going back to this balthazar store of weapons thing which i have no like no sense of anything of like they they had that like half a stick from the beginning but i just don't mm-hmm. <laughs> sure whatever it doesn't it doesn't really have a sense of like place mm-hmm. or weight or purpose or anything like it because we we don't see it and we don't really know what it is and we don't know why it affects anybody it's just like the weapons of heaven we saw what the one thing was doing but like witches can do all that stuff too like it's it doesn't seem like the weapons of heaven do anything particularly more threatening than what we're used to seeing from our baddies sure um we go back to bobby and ellen and um is there is there kind of working this out and bobby is is acting weird as you might imagine if you thought that fixing this problem would make your wife go away uh and ellen pretty much just (laughs) just calls him on it she's because again ellen is a really fun character and the actress that plays her um which i wish i had written down and didn't wow good job jeremy was it samantha ferris sure let's say that um but the actress that plays her is is really good so she's just a no bullshit it was, you know, yeah. talk smith affair uh fire from the hip kind of chick and uh she yeah. and she just says like no they gotta they just gotta go sink the ship like go back in time sink the ship and it'll cause you know all those people will die but it'll fix the problem of all these people currently dying and of course bobby has this way over the top reaction because he realizes that's going to kill her and joe assumedly his adopted stepdaughter uh mm-hmm. and he has the like he he cries like he starts getting extremely emotional uh, which is, you know, not great. Not great. Kind of a bummer. And then I don't understand a lot on this next scene. I, I realize it's played for comedy. We have this extended montage. Uh, maybe montage isn't the word for it, but this extended scene 
of um, Sam and Dean getting into increasingly life-threatening situations. I guess they, like, at some point they've decided that fate is after them so they could just die at any minute. So they just like, at one point there's a dog barking and they're scared of the dog. And then they're like walking through uh, people roller skating or whatever. Like it's, there's a bunch of kids that almost trip them up. Like I don't, so this? this scene, I was really confused until I remembered, oh, they're trying to tempt fate. Um, because when they walk through those, those jugglers were like throwing oh. flaming axes all around. I was like, that's what's going on they're here. Specifically they're specifically trying like, to draw her out. Okay. I'm trying to put altogether. themselves. In, okay. Cause I was like looking at the scene, like dumbfounded, like this is really stupid. It's kind of funny, but it's really stupid. And then they walked through the, the, the flaming blades or whatever. And I, I, again was like why the fuck if they're afraid to die would they walk through oh yep okay remember that scene from a minute ago chris remember that note you took one second ago when you wrote (laughs) tempt fate remember that buddy yeah you just made that joke right while ago too and i still didn't make it i still didn't get there so yeah excellent well this makes this makes much more sense then because this works like this that's the that's the best one yeah Yeah, when i picked up on that i actually really enjoyed the scene and that song one way or another is playing and it's it it actually is a really it's a really goofy scene that almost would be out of place in a different episode but here for some reason I'm just like I like it I like that the boys are acting like almost childish as they go about this like what what do we go near the dog do we like fall over do we walk like it's just really dumb but I it's a it's a fun dumb and it's honestly probably my favorite scene of the episode now, like once I it clicked that this is what they're trying to do. I like this a lot more retroactively because I, I thought that they were trying to avoid fate, but if they're specifically yeah. trying to get her to come out and kill them <laughs> by putting themselves yeah. in re- like, like she can't help it. Right. Like she just like, Oh God, she's right. They're, they're, both of them are right there by the ax juggling clowns. I have to, this is right. my jam. This is what I do. <laughs> like they're not like, you know, pointing loaded guns at each other or anything, but like, okay, we have to tempt fate. Let's go to the park. Sure. Let's yeah. just see what happens. Risky. Yeah, yeah. Let's ride a skateboard for the first time in twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this works. So they're walking down the street when somebody drops an air conditioner unit, uh, a condenser unit, on top of them, and uh, time freezes at the moment of impact. And uh, Castiel shows up and has a confrontation mm-hmm. with Fate, whose real name is Atropos. And um, this is where we we learn that uh, she. It wasn't just that Balthazar wanted to uh, go back and kill and, and make Celine Dion's career non-existent. Castiel sent Balthazar back specifically to do this so he could use these souls to feed his war machine. Yeah, which is this is uh, which is pretty shady, shady as hell. Like we don't there's there's been a lot of soul business this season and uh, like mm-hmm. you know the the kind of moving around of souls and things like that. Obviously they they contain power um, or else demons wouldn't want them. They wouldn't be trading for them. Uh, but it, it seems like heaven hasn't really tapped into that, or at least the heaven that we know. Mm-hmm. And Castiel doing this seems shady and shows a level of desperation that like we've seen Castiel have, but this makes it seem to go even further than that. Uh, and this is one of my, this is one of the things about season six that first of all, I forgot about. The second of all, that I actually do feel sort of delivers on some of the promise of the early season, even though they don't hint at anything being wrong with Castiel. He's just fighting a war and doing what he has to do. Uh, And he just seems busy all the time and he's not in a lot of episodes like he was. But the further we get into this season, the more things start to really 
come to light with Castiel. And this is this is the first major sign. We've had little things here and there, but this is the first major one where it's just he he's he's harvesting human souls. He saved he had Balthazar go back in time and and save fifty thousand people so that he could harvest their souls, like he said. That's pretty major, and that seems strangely out of character for Castiel, but at the same time, what is character or what is Castiel's character? Because he's been acting so different this whole season. Every time he shows up to the boy, he seems exasperated and just like worn out. He's mm-hmm. fighting a war, as he keeps saying, and they keep sort of you know forgetting that. But um, I I did like that something is coming of this. That it isn't just a dangling. Well, it is still a dangling thread. But I like that they're following through with with Castiel's distance. You know, they're turning it into something rather than just you know he's not in the budget for this season. Um, they're they're stringing you along and they're they're building something slowly but surely. And it's really the only through line of this season. There's so many things with um, Dean being with Lisa and Ben, Sam not having a soul, or us not knowing what's wrong with him. So many little distractions throughout, even the mother of all. But this thing with Castiel has slowly been trickling forward for the whole season. And that is something. That's something we got to give him credit for, I think. I think that uh, the, the only thing I'm really going to knock it for just so far is that this They've 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 paced this really well, right? They've paced this, um, and some sort of and and I'm not we're not going to get into it. So at you know whatever whatever Castiel is into, like we we just kind of feel like it's bad right now. That um, right, it's just been over mm-hmm. so overshadowed by the alphas, Samuel, <laughs> uh, Crowley, <Yeah. laughs> literally and, everything else, and and the Eve, the mother of all. Like that's those are four kind of bads, right? Those are four villains that we've had uh, that have overshadowed this to a degree. So now by the time we get to this, it's, it's not, Oh, that I'm feeling. It's almost like a sense of exhaustion. It's like, Oh God, another one, like more shit. (laughs) And we've, and they've obviously dealt with some of the stuff in the past. Like Samuel is dead. Crowley is dead. Um, Eve is still out there. Uh, and we don't really know what's happening with alphas, but like this, presumably they're following Eve around. But it just mm-hmm. it just feels like yet another you know crappy cherry on top of the shit cake that is <laughs> the supernatural season six. I like the way that it's presented though, like mechanically everything's really really good, and I like this idea that he has some sort of you know powered up war machine. Where like I I don't think that that's an actual machine by any means. I just I like the idea that he's you know he's a general, he's marshaling troops to to win a war, to win a civil war in heaven, and I. I just feel like it's just like it's I'm overly exhausted with stuff. And also like this is episode yeah. 17. Like we're, we're we're within five episodes of the last episode of the of the season, which is crazy. Wow, yeah. 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 It um that's the thing is I feel like a lot of other shows, a lot of modern shows will build multiple storylines throughout a season. And not everything is resolved, but they'll they'll hook you on multiple levels and they'll show you bits and pieces of it every episode. And then by the end of the season, you'll have some resolution. But it's like, no, these stories are all continuing next next season. It's not all going to have to be resolved at the end of this. We don't always get resolution at the end of a supernatural season. However, it does seem like because we really have two main vessels for our main characters. It's not an ensemble cast necessarily in the traditional sense where like any character on Parks and Rec can have an episode about them because everybody's popular or everybody has their own style of jokes or whatever. There's a storyline that can be wrapped around any character in that. In Supernatural, most of them just follow Sam and Dean, so all of the stuff that's happening have to be put into the context of Sam and Dean, which is most most of the time that's what makes Supernatural so great. But it also means that we're going to jam a lot of storylines into a small period of time, and that makes Season 6 feel like it's all over the place. 
when if they had slowly built up this angel war or angel war machine over the course of maybe even two seasons maybe they sl- that's that's happening meanwhile they're dealing with the alphas meanwhile they're dealing with this this eve thing that they don't really know it's just a slow build on all of it rather than a um these little mini arcs within the season as they they go about things and then it just uh, we're left here with with five plot lines for season six so far and, and none of them have really led us anywhere just yet so um yeah there's it i understand the fatigue i mean i'm fatigued just talking this long <laughs> it's uh but i think it's worth it like i think it's worth getting into a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, i don't want to just brush this off because it's something i really like but it's also indicative of a lot of season six's problems and uh yeah we've we've been i think we've been unexpectedly positive on season six for a good three yeah. quarter of the three quarters of the season which frankly I did not expect. Like I assumed that we would be a little bit downer on it, a little bit more down on it than we are. So uh, I like the fact that this stuff is happening. I want to talk about the good stuff, even if it feels like it's been it's it's some good stuff that's been crowded out a little bit. Yeah, um, I've been I've been turning a corner a little bit because I think I was saying just yesterday to Jess that I enjoy making the podcast right now more than I enjoy watching the episode. Yeah, I which could see is that. Mm. interesting. I mean, I guess I guess that's kind of always been the way because I just really like doing this podcast. Um. But I get more. I'm more interested in the in the show when I talk about it than when I watch it for season six. At this point, I can see that because uh, like we skipped over a good ten or fifteen minutes of this episode where it's just the boys mm-hmm. doing their standard investigation routine, and yeah, with without a lot of times like that when they do those investigation routines, the characters aren't super interesting. There's a couple of maybe witty, jokey lines, but usually it's like Dean and Sam kind of looking at each other and trying to figure <laughs> out like what is it is it Satanist sheriff or something like that you know it's it's it, we've seen it so many times that it's mm-hmm. it's really easy to glaze over during so it's until you get to the quote-unquote meat of the episode uh which are usually I like, think I like the funny bits so yeah i like being able to talk about this stuff because even when the execution doesn't land um when we've you know these these dangling plot threads even when they don't go through or don't don't uh, show up in the episode the way that we want them to. Or they feel disappointed on disappointing on screen. We're able to at least acknowledge the ideas and the potential and where things could go and what they try to do, even when they fail at it. Which makes for me makes the show better. When even though like hey that episode was bad, but I really like what they did with like I like the ideas that they brought to the table, even if I didn't really enjoy it on its surface level super much. Super yeah. much, is, super much. Yeah. yeah, that's also the name of this super podcast. Much. <laughs> super yes, much, super much. <laughs> I'll have a slice oh, of that right. super much she's having. <laughs> let's let's move let's move on to the going? rest of this episode before I so, I went uh, down. So Atropus, uh, Atropus, Atropus. Let's just keep let's calling. Just say, her fate. How about we say fate? Yeah, fate that sounds seems good. good. Uh, fate says that uh, she's definitely going to kill Sam and Dean, and there's nothing that Castiel can do to stop her. And if she, he does something to stop her, then she's got two other sisters waiting in the wings that are just will be ready to avenge her. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when Castiel kind of you could kind of see him like, all right, fine. And he does this right at the moment that Balthazar was sneaking up behind Fate to stab her with his angel knife, um, presumably which would kill her. Uh, but instead, Castiel sends Balthazar back in time to sink the Titanic. So, yay. Uh, yay. And then we we smash cut to Sam and Dean waking up in our good old trusty Impala while uh, 
that song my heart, that's, my heart will go on for you which starts pl- is playing in the background once and, again uh, the boys they didn't uh save the people or hunt the thing. or hunt the they things kind of yeah. hanging out <laughs> yeah they didn't even really do a whole lot of family business this episode chris i don't know if you know hardly <laughs> uh, i don't think they had a single argument <laughs> they uh no they didn't they were actually uh, they were kind of just this this if you think about it this was what we had been asking for which is the two of them uh, <laughs> You know, on, on on the same side doing a hunt, like it gets a little weird. But yeah, this they 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 didn't even get into like they don't even have like a long conversation at the end. Um, they wake up, but I actually like this scene where they're both saying like how weird their dreams were and slowly realizing that mm-hmm. they they remember everything. And uh, Castiel shows up and tells them like it was it was all real, and uh, basically said like he he did he didn't do this for them. Um, but he 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 wanted them to remember that he did this, that this happened. I don't necessarily know why. I don't. I don't know why either. Like it seems, it just like does he want to show his power? That doesn't seem like has. Like, but I don't. Why give them this memory? Or is it just to for? Because I don't think he specifically says so. And if he, God, I'm sure our listeners are going to get mad at us if they do, because <laughs> that's that's pretty obvious mess, mess, mess up. But uh. Like I feel like it's just specifically to show show them like this is like everything has consequences like everything that we're yeah. doing like all of well maybe he maybe he does give this speech that he says like everything that they're doing that they're that they have done that that, that you know stopping the apocalypse and him rebelling against heaven wasn't written down like it wasn't the plan and it has consequences maybe that's the the whole thing that this yeah is maybe happening. he's just sort of trying to um, illuminate the situation that he's in like look at what I you stopping the apocalypse all this crazy shit happening like that's what i'm dealing with right now up in heaven that's what this war is about i mostly took this scene this whole thing is is less about even like why they would remember it and more about uh cassia's lie here because he doesn't come clean about the souls or anything like that he's no, just like yep uh Beth Balthazar, uh he did that thing and i made him undo it because the little rascal shouldn't be messing around like that but that's they, Balthazar did it on Castiel's orders, so he's the I mastermind wish, here. I wish I had just scrolled down like two inches in my notes where I was had notes on all of this. So, oh, great. <laughs> good job, Jeremy. Excellent. Excellent, good job for me questioning what I was thinking. Yeah, awesome. Good job, <laughs> GG. Uh, yeah, so uh, he explains all of that and then talks about the lie. They go to check on uh, Bobby, who is uh, passed out with a bottle of whiskey on the floor on his couch. The uh, the picture on the stand that we talked about earlier that had B and E Auto Shop or whatever now it just has Singer Automotive and um, mm-hmm. Dean does the really sweet thing of covering him with a blanket and taking the whatever lore book he was reading and you know tucking him in basically and it's mm-hmm. again it's they they linger on this shot like it's supposed to be super sad and we really care about Bobby and Ellen even though they've were literally only together for like a minute <laughs> or two on screen so it's just I guess showing us a world where like. Bobby is now like he he doesn't have Alan, he doesn't have a, a wife to to help him get over uh Rufus or or help him get over anything. But maybe that doesn't matter because Dean's there to tuck him in. He he has his boys, you know, they're they're still there. Uh I don't really know if this is supposed to be a positive or a negative thing. It's just like this is Bobby. This is all Bobby's ever gonna be. Yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely supposed to be negative because it shows that without having that that level of support that he he is going to turn to drink more and that he's you know he's going to go to sleep with on the couch and not in his bed and things like that mm-hmm. like it's showing that he's going to he's going to not kill himself but he's going to work himself to to death 
doing this without having any right. kind of like nice thing in his life. And again, I'm, we, we don't have to hammer it home, but just lingering on the shot of like, oh man, it just say B and E, and now it doesn't. Oh, like okay, okay, mm-hmm. God, we 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 oh, 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 okay, <laughs> Garth Brooks, we get it. The thunder rolls. <laughs> Chill out. We got it. <clears throat> so yeah, that's that's the episode. I think I've kind of said my piece on this. I, uh, I I like this episode. Like it's it's in the good column for me. I don't necessarily think mm-hmm. it's. It's a great episode. Uh, there's some they get some good mileage out of Titanic being you know a really popular movie, and that's that's really funny to me. And uh, boy, there is something just terribly wrong about the, watching these boys drive a Mustang. I don't like that at all. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I uh, but it, but it it and I like that they were we're setting Castiel up like we're slowly but surely trying to figure out what's happening with Castiel. Uh, mm-hmm. But otherwise, uh, it's just kind of a mid season. I think you you I think that's what you called it earlier. Like a nah. <laughs> just kind yeah, of episode it's that noise it's that noise yeah it just um it is what it is it's the middle of the season episode they're just you know playing with some interesting ideas um but it, like you said not bad but it just is what it is The next episode we're going to cover is Frontierland, written by Andrew Dabb, Daniel Laughlin, and Jackson Stewart, directed by Guy B. Sam and Dean return to the wild, wild west. <laughs> These fucking episode descriptions. We return to, I mean, just straight up referencing the Will Smith thing, right? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, while searching for a way to defeat Eve, Dean stumbles upon Samuel Colt's journal in the Campbell Library. Realizing Samuel might have the answer to their problems, Sam and Dean ask Castiel to send them back in time so they can meet the man himself. While Sam is a bit reluctant to time travel, Dean is beside himself with excitement to return to the wild, wild west. The joke's so nice they did it twice. <laughs> Chris, can you believe Interesting. that? Interesting move there. <laughs> I, I gotta say, my favorite thing about this episode, I, I love westerns. But the best thing about this episode is just how forward it is with all of its plot. Everything moves forward the entire time. The only real leap is just that, like, um, they are traveling. Dean, Dean just decides they should just travel back in time, and they just like that's just the thing we should do. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's the biggest step in all of this. I, I that's really... <laughs> the that's the the conceit of this episode is that Dean is just like that's I've just decided I've done it before, so let's just do it again. But the rest and of it Castiel is... And Castiel agrees. That's the, also the biggest Castiel leap. Agrees. That's the second biggest leap. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, but after that, it's just like, okay, the boys are going to work together and they're going to do this thing. And when they need to have two different plots going, they split the boys up and they both effectively deal with the things they need to deal with. Meanwhile, there's a little bit of Bobby Castiel action on the side. And then the episode's over and you got everything you needed out of it. It's just, just it, it moves quickly and it doesn't fuss around. And I, I really liked it for that. It's also a pretty uh, big deviation from our normal episode, just given the trappings mm-hmm. of the setting. So, uh, like, I, we're going to do a little bit of that investigation stuff that I was just complaining about. But because the setting is so different, it actually makes it a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let, let's um, let's get into it from get the beginning, because yeah. I want to I want to because, Chris, I love this episode. <laughs> I'm going to make really I didn't good. I didn't have the time to watch it with Autumn. I'm going to make Autumn watch this episode before she listens to this <laughs> podcast, because I think she's going to like it a lot. So, uh, so we start with, um, 
a a cold open that is a little weird. We see that it's Sunrise, Wyoming in 1861 and like the standard high noon uh setup where you know two guys and cowboys to cowboy outfits, not probably not outfits, but you know dusters, boots, belt buckles, <laughs> you know are are squared off at each other at the town square. One of us, one of them is this dude that we don't recognize and then we realize the second one is Dean Winchester in full gear and we're like, mm-hmm. "Excuse me." And then the clock strikes, yeah. they shoot they shoot each other. And then we get this like bonanza style supernatural intro, which I love. If I can I find the music it. for it, I will. I will definitely cut that in. So enjoy that. Yeah, music throughout this episode is great. Very um, good, the bad, the ugly, and and just it's all it's all really well done. Yeah, I uh, they the soundtrack goes into season five. Like the official uh, supernatural OST goes through season mm-hmm. five. I don't know that they've released a compilation of any of the original music. I've been kind of I've ragged on it a little bit in this season. This is the first time that I was really getting the kick out of the music. Like they do a, I don't yeah. know if they were using like pre-recorded stuff or if they wrote all of this Western stuff, but whatever it is, it's it's really good and it adds to the flavor of the show a lot. For sure, it's just for such a ridiculous episode. I just feel like they pull it off really well, and I can't tell if it's because of the love I have for westerns or if it's just it's just a fun episode. It's a fun episode of TV, and they make it work. We uh we go back to the where we go to our our our, our now section and uh, it says that it's forty eight mm-hmm. hours earlier, but it was a hundred years in the future or whatever, which is you know just yeah. them having fun. And uh, Sam has remembered the Campbell Family Library. I don't know why he's never remembered it before. Now I don't know why it's not behind the wall that he shouldn't be scratching at, but he's <laughs> he, it's it's here like they. They go to some house and there's a hole in the ground and it's just filled with old shit and it's kind of cool. Yeah, I um, they especially when they when they find this what they're about to find in a minute here. Um, but I really like this idea of them having to. They have to dig a little bit deeper. They can't just Google shit. They can't look at Bobby's house on at books and like they need to find some other resource for information because this goes deeper than anything that they've ever experienced before. <laughs> they just um, can't go to so, any yeah, old like World of Warcraft forum and, and learn about dragons. They can't. They <laughs> they can't go to um to dragondildos dot com anymore. They have to. <laughs> they have to go for a real deal. Bobby had to block. That so they go. Marvel. Yeah, Bob, Bobby's <laughs> internet. It's all all sorts of things are blocked out there. Um, <laughs> The so that they head down into the basement and they um they're finding all these old books and 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 research and everything and suddenly Dean you can I think the smirk comes onto Dean's face and then he like reads a little bit more and he's like yep okay you guys are not gonna believe this shit look what I just found they find Samuel Colt's diary uh which is his his quote unquote Hunter's journal we call it a diary here at Monster of the Week mm-hmm. because. That's what it is. Make no mistake. Yeah. Uh, has a little lock on the outside and everything. Do not touch. I believe is what's scrawled on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, they find same. I Cole's think diary. right before, right before they find the diary, they this is when they're all sitting around, and I guess at some point they find out that uh, Phoenix, the ash of a phoenix, can. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Burn I'm sorry, mm-hmm. the mother. Uh, I also made a comment about. Uh, take your jackets off guys. Cause they're sitting in this like musty dungy basement and they all have just their jackets on. <laughs> just, they look a little bit silly. <laughs> it's a, it's a little ridiculous. Um, but yeah, they find out this stuff. With but the then Phoenix, this is so then they, Dean. Yeah. Yeah. So then they start finding, they try to find out more information about a Phoenix who they always thought was a mythical creature. And that's mm-hmm. when they find that, uh, Samuel Colt killed him. Excuse me. Killed one, uh, in 1861 in sunrise, Wyoming. 
And uh, this is Dean's just huge thing of like, oh yeah, we should just go there. We know where one is. We'll just pop in, we'll collect the ashes, and then we'll jet. That seems like an easy plan for me. Castiel, get yeah. your angel ass down here. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this- But they just, uh, I love just how hard they geek out about this. They're like, both the brothers are so like, psyched to have found this. It's, Sam it's is excited. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is, he is, he's like almost vibrating with how happy he is. This whole area. Yeah, just to like rip it out of Dean's hand. <laughs> he does try to take it. He's like, no, get your own. Uh, th- this whole library thing, I think is really cool. This is, this is an idea that's going to get returned to over and over again that I don't really think that they, they utilize well, but uh, this, the idea of having this store of knowledge passed down hand to hand. I don't know that we've specifically commented on it, but uh, in the episodes with Samuel, Samuel has always made a point to say stuff, even to Bobby, like I've, I've learned things that you, you don't even have an idea exist and things like that. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, I always, and that always just assume because like, yeah, he's been around for a lot longer, but, but also, Oh, you have a whole library of knowledge that you were keeping to yourself. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks hunter guy for not sharing this. Yeah. Like what the hell for real dude. <laughs> um, it's also, I guess Samuel is the only one who's, we don't really know where, when Samuel became a hunter. Um, we just know that he had a family of hunters and he's, he's the only one who seems like he was brought up in it. Like he was from a, a generation of, of hunters and it was passed down like a family tradition. Whereas even, you know, Bobby was somebody who got pulled into the life. Sam and Dean were obviously pulled into the life. They don't have that wealth of knowledge going back through their lineage. I mean, they do technically. Um, Whereas Samuel seemed like the type of dude who was like his father before him was a hunter, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And I guess it makes sense that they would have this wealth of knowledge, but him not sharing it with anybody seems a little bit silly. (laughs) It does seem a little silly. Like at least scan some of this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Make binders, pass out the binders. Like, Get the microfiche going. This thing is waiting for Sam Winchester to come along and apply his Manfred U research uh, technology oh, to this oh, thing and sure. just make a make a card catalog at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have computers. It's Manfred, is what I was saying. Right, right, right. Uh, right. So Dean says that they are going. To, they are. They need to Star Trek for this bitch, uh, which is so. Uh, in the last episode of the podcast, we we dealt with a worm that they called the Con Worm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, at some point during the episode, I, I asked why it was called the Conworm, and like, thank you everybody who wrote to us, we appreciate it. Uh, but several people pointed out that that was a reference to a Star Trek, like with the with the Wrath of Khan, where he actually has a worm go in his ear or whatever. And uh, oh. so we talked about this on the Discord a little bit, and I said, well, that seems really weird because that seems like the kind of movie that Dean would make fun of Sam for watching, not make a reference to. And then in the very next yeah. fucking episode, he's making he's dropping Star Trek four references and making fun of everybody <laughs> for not watching Star Trek. So yeah, my bad. I should I should have known the con thing, and I should have known that Dean just watched a bunch of shitty movies on cable TV because he grew yeah. up in hotels. I don't know anything about Star. Trek. Oh really? Yeah. Are you just as is, you just never got into it as a kid or what? Never. Uh never thought it looked interesting and i like i had friends later on in life that were like dude no you're wrong it's great and i believe them but i think it's too late you think it just passed you by i think it just passed me by i'll tell you uh you don't have to have any kind of affection for it but that that new series star trek discovery is uh is really fun it's actually set before the original series so it's a little it's a little retro but it's still very very fun like uh the movies no 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 there's a there's a new tv show out oh yeah, 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 and the the lead is a is a black lady whose name I forget, uh, but which is kind of cool in and of itself. But it's 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 actually really good. I haven't watched the whole thing. I watched 
they do this fake out thing where the first two episodes are with one cast and then they switch cast on you, which it seems pretty unusual. Uh, but interesting. Yeah, yeah, but it's 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 pretty good. I'm up four or five episodes in. I know um friend of the show, Caitlin, watches it because she was talking about it the other day. So yeah. Anyway, I think um I I definitely like the idea of uh of Star Trek and like that format, what it can do. But I think as it's as become pretty clear over the course of this podcast, is I'm more of a fantasy guy than a sci-fi guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's no ghost in Star Trek. So. There's no ghosts. There's no swords. So I mean, actually, my two- there are episodes of Star Trek where. They literally just go like do some swords and ghost shit like it's crazy. You can Star Trek does everything with that goddamn holodeck. So, well, 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 exactly. Um, so Dean says they're going to Star Trek for this bitch. They're going to send him back in time. Uh, Star Trek four, by the way. Uh, they had to save the Earth because all the whales went extinct. So they actually have to go like take oh, no. a trip around the moon, and then it's uh you get that kind sure. of fish out of water thing where all of these people from the year. 217,000 or whatever have to go to like then modern day America and like hang out with you know 1980s people uh so he wants yeah. to go back in time uh Bobby says he only's ever watched Deep Space 9 which is kind of the hipster Star Trek so I can get into that uh and Dean explains his he's like okay let's go get some ashes we'll go hang with Samuel Colt and then we'll we'll bring it back home and then he prays to Castiel except Castiel doesn't show up we have somebody else that shows up instead yeah, an angel named Rachel who's like, "Hey, what's up? What do you need? You called?" And they're like, "Uh, I'm pretty sure you're not Castiel, bro." Uh, and she's like, "Yeah, no, he's uh he's busy. Can I help you?" And I think Dean's a little bit uh a little bit ornery about that. And he's like, "Hey, no, I I I feel like I specifically called out his name. He's pretty used to me calling out his name by now. Where is he?" Um and she starts to get a little bit um, frustrated with them she's like he he's in the middle of a war he's commanding an army you can't keep calling him down here with your petty little crap this is i'm here i'm trying to help him out so now what the hell do you want uh and just as things are starting to get a little bit heated castiel shows up and he's like rachel my girl please be cool i like this whole thing quite a bit uh mm-hmm. i like that castiel is trying to delegate a little bit because obviously mm-hmm. he's running this war. He's the general, like I said, marshalling his troops. So he's, he's got shit to do. And if he's got somebody that he can go send to help Sam and Dean, it's not like he's forgetting those bonds. It's not like he's forgetting because he does kind of owe to Sam and Dean a little bit. Like he, he wouldn't be in the position that he's in if it wasn't for Sam and Dean. And I, I think he's, he does want to help them and he wants to them to be friends. Uh, and sending this chick is, is doing that. It's like, Oh yeah, yeah. She she's an angel too. She can probably just do anything that I can do. Just just make it go, make it happen. Uh, yeah. I think Dean is is definitely on the wrong here. And of course, she her reaction is is very good when she starts calling them names and stuff. And Castiel has to show up and stop her. So that's good. Yeah, I think it just goes to show again more of where of, of Castiel's state of mind, where he's he's reaching a point where he doesn't like he doesn't understand. It, it's almost like he's forgetting their bond, like the personal nature of it, and not just the obligatory nature of it. Like he's like, oh, I owe them because of how they helped me so i'm gonna send somebody to help but like no they don't want somebody to help they want their friend castiel it just sucks that they like this has been such a one-way street for Mm -hmm. castiel like he's just over the course of season six he has given and given and given he's not asked them for help at all he's just told them like yeah i'm having some shit got got to do some stuff like the closest <laughs> yeah the closest he's gotten is kind of tricking them in the french mistake right so that and using them as kind of a diversion tactic so that they could get the weapons back from balthazar that's about it and he didn't even ask for that so um, yeah 
So we we go we we kind of go to another scene where uh, Castiel is explaining to Sam the logistics of time travel, uh, and he says, "You know, I can only send you back for twenty four hours." And Sam says, "Why?" And he says, "I can only that's that's an answer is best expressed in differential equations." And he's Sam's like, "Okay, I got it. Don't don't you don't have to explain. Yeah. I'm good." Just a, a return to that kind of classic deadpan Castiel that I, that I like a lot. Yeah, for sure. And. Uh, the the essential answer here is that the further that they go back, the sh- the the less time that they can stay. So they've got twenty four mm-hmm. hours to to make this happen, which is when Dean returns with gifts for him and Sam. Yeah, and oh boy, Chris. oh boy, it's it's excellent. Um, he had to go on a quote supply run, and he just comes he comes back with cowboy costumes. He comes back with cowboy costumes, and he is he is just like a little kid on Christmas morning with this stuff. You can mm-hmm. tell that he is so excited about all of this stuff. It's so great. He's just having the best time. He's, you know, he wears the, the, what does he call it? He doesn't call it a poncho. A serape. A serape. <laughs> uh, Sam is straight up refusing to do, to wear any of this stuff. Like, he's like, I don't, I'm good. I'm not going to do this. But, you know, he comes out and looking like Sam Winchester, by the way, like he doesn't look dramatically different. <laughs> Did you notice this? No, he really looks the same because they always had Sam wearing stupid shirts until they finally were like, you know what? Let's just have him in the flannel too. Yeah, this looks like this looks like the outfit that he was wearing when he was pretending to be um, Mark or Dylan or whatever at that bar where that chick was being all <laughs> super into his, into his, his <laughs> Kyle. You know talking about was it yeah, Kyle? Yeah, it was Keith, Keith, Keith Sam. Yeah, yeah, this was definitely Keith Sam uh, and not just <laughs> regular Sam. Uh, right. But just Dean being so excited about all of this is so good. I'll, I like this a lot. That's great. Um, but it's just kind of like without much fanfare. They just all right travel back in time now yeah you can tell this, they're the they're more concerned with doing all getting them to the old west than they are with dealing with how to get them to the old west which is good because when they get there they arrive and it is it, from this point forward it's i think it's just really great all of the stuff that, that happens yeah. is really fun and great um um immediately sam steps in horse shit i like in this episode they come really close to saying shit or fuck like several different times throughout it mm-hmm. but it just doesn't happen and they don't normally like pull that kind of joke they don't like he's just like oh it's horse shit but then dean interrupts him before he says shit like it's it's i don't know for some reason i i since i picture the boy swearing um but they can't do it on the cw i just like when they kind of play around with the idea that like they would be cursing their mouths off but uh yeah they, well, and, they and the Sam's, one time that that's happened uh was that uh ghost facers episode ghost facers, right. where, they, where they just get bleeped um, out which was really funny so. <laughs> excellent uh sam s- steps in some horse shit with yep. gene calls authenticity but then as soon as they get into town, it's like uh, rolling up on Solitude and Skyrim. There's just a man about to get hung. And it's like the whole town is gathered to watch. And they're kind of, you know, Sammy looking around at each other. And, and they, the judge or whoever the executioner pro- proclaims, like for the murder of your wife, um, you're going to be, you know, hung till the neck, from the neck till death. And the guy, he just, you know, looks around. He says, you're all going to burn for this, all of you. And then they hang him. And then that's that. So, okay, that's a... That's a pretty rough beginning, but the boys just, um, they just got to keep moving. They got to look and what they find, the sheriff. They got to go talk to the sheriff. Yep. Uh, Dean introduces himself as uh, Eastwood, Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. And he introduces uh, Sam as uh, Walker, who is a Texas Ranger, both of which are, yes. are really, really fun jokes. And I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dean immediately gets made fun of for his clothes. 
Uh, so all yeah. of the work Somebody's he did like, and how proud nice he is. Blanket. <laughs> yeah, there, there's some some vague like homophobic remarks in here, which I'm not into. Like I, he think he says something like "I'm looking for a man." He's like, "I'm sure you are," or whatever. Uh, but it's like just him getting immediately made fun of is so great, and it just puts him on a this whole thing, this whole time. Like, and this whole episode is going to do it really well. Is a you think that Dean is going to be the one that's most comfortable in this environment because he's the one that's most excited about it where it really just comes out to be Sam who's just kind of going along with this and just fitting in more than Dean is because he's not (laughs) excited about it at all. He's just trying to get what they need done because they're on an extreme time limit. They have 24 hours. Um, But they, you know, he asks, hey, do you know where Samuel Colt is? If you you know of him and they're like the gunmaker? Yeah, sure. But, uh, and no, I don't, you know, he hasn't been around here in a while. You should go and uh, head over to the bar, ask around there. They're, they're more likely to know. Um, so they do. And this is like, Dean is about to walk in like super excited, expecting the typical like movie style saloon with, you know, women hanging all over everywhere and um, cowboys playing poker and just like some craziness that you, you see in every Western movie. Um, but it's just like one drunk dude who's passed out on a table and then some like, unfortunately, like sickly looking women who are like just forced into this life probably yeah this is this is not great <laughs> i mean it immediately it immediately shatters any of, of dean's illusions of like yeah the romantic old west it's just like no this is reality and like everybody was sick and dying and life was su- it just sucked nobody was clean they even make fun of Saint and Dean at a certain point for being so clean they don't like <laughs> think that they can get anything done because like why are you so clean yeah dean says something like oh it's dirtier than it looks or something which is really good (laughs) yeah they 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 talk to this uh to the bar guy to the bartender and uh dean asks for a shot of whiskey and orders a sarsaparilla for sam and um that's when darla comes out and uh darla is quote unquote best girl which i believe is an anime turn if i if i remember correctly she's uh she's 1860s best girl She's 1860s best girl. Uh, she has some real funky teeth and a pretty bad case of hep C happening on the inside of her lip. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and she's immediately taken by Dean, who uh, is is obviously not interested for a variety of reasons, uh, most of which are hygiene related. Uh, yeah. Luckily for Dean, the judge comes in that we saw earlier hanging that dude and uh, demands Darla's presence, and they go upstairs to bone. Right. Um, meanwhile, Dean tries to take a sip of his. Uh, whiskey and realizes that uh, 1860 whiskey takes a fucking gasoline. <laughs> yep. And Sam's over there like, my sarsaparilla's pretty good, homie. <laughs> Which is really good. Uh, I love this so much. I was I was just cracking up about all of this. It's, so, it's, it's such so, a fun it's so episode. Good. It's so good. Um, and I even like the kind of I mean the the Western trope of like, hey, have you seen this person? Or like even like the RPG thing where you go and you talk to the, the innkeeper because he's got the information. Like they're going and they, they talk to this guy and he says Samuel Colt, yeah, I know him. He came here about four years ago. He now lives, you know, so-and-so down the way by the railway, whatever. Um, but no, he hasn't come back this way in, in quite some time. But it's like, they just got the information they needed. They now know, you know, if they, they go 20 miles down the, the railway, then they'll find what they're looking for. Um, and while while they're gathering that, that's why I like this episode so much. They're gathering plot-driving information in a fun way. Meanwhile, they hear a scream upstairs, and here's here's the next plot. Where we we cut to um, the old man judge and uh, our our lady friend here uh, about to bone down, and that's when uh, th- the judge gets turned to ash. On top of Darla, poor Darla. On top <laughs> of is, Darla, oh. 
who is freaking out because she says a ghost burned up my burned up the judge because she says mm-hmm. that it's uh this dude Elias um who is the guy that was being hung at the very beginning of the of the episode uh he has come back and and he even left like smoking footprints on the way out uh so they can clearly see that you know it wasn't a ghost it was a dude this it was a guy that was on fire yeah um Sam and Dean clocked this pretty quick uh the sheriff says like okay we're gonna round up a posse and uh tells them to go get real gear on and that they'll meet you know the next morning um (laughs) it seems weird i don't really care about this but it seems weird that you would wait like for a sleep to go round up a round up a dude like you you feel like you would want to leave immediately and not give him an eight hour head start but whatever um it's cowboy time so i guess that's just what they do that's that's what we're gonna do then we get to the scene where uh sam and dean decide to go check out elias's grave thinking that you know something something fishy is going on and sure enough the grave is empty there's no bones or anything and uh yeah it's all like scorched and burnt up so yeah probably not probably not hanging out in there anymore and of course at this point there's uh there's time is time is 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 going uh so they decide to split up because they still haven't found samuel colt but they know they're gonna have to find elias because they know that he's gonna be the phoenix so dean mm-hmm. decides he's gonna stay with the uh with with the elias hunt because you know you know him chris he loves posse he's a posse yeah. magnet <laughs> he's a real posse magnet um, he's a real posse he, magnet Oof, dean where's where are these jokes <laughs> he's like i should put that on a t-shirt and sam is just like no my dude I'm not, yeah, he doesn't even respond do he doesn't even respond uh and then he uh, tells also sam, of course we we just learned again sorry that the phoenix looks like a dude yeah just like everything else in supernatural following the tradition tradition of supernatural the 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 mythical creature known as the phoenix that can you know reinvent itself by fire it just looks like a normal guy that doesn't doesn't bathe very often yeah just a regular cowboy just a normal dude uh sam's job is to go look for sam occult so uh they trade a a gold watch we didn't talk about this, but like they bring a bunch of gold in. Yeah, like they just Bobby's like, I like guess hey, they don't take plastic. So yeah, they, uh, this is all of their dragon gold, I guess that they mm. that they stole from the dragon horde a it few episodes be, ago. Right? Yeah, so they just so Sam just trades a gold watch for this horse, and the guy that's selling the horse is like, God damn, I I'm robbing this clean dude, this clean giant. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Good. Yeah, so Sam he he takes off on the horse. We get a, like a epic, uh, full like horizons shot of Sam, you know, riding silhouette against the sun or the moon or whatever. And it's just a fun little western shot. But now it's, um, is this Dean? So now Dean is going to go and try to. Well, before um, that, we we've got a couple of scenes in between. So that's uh, right. That's uh, right. We're gonna Elias is gonna confront the sheriff, and the sheriff tries to shoot Elias, and it doesn't work because that dude is a phoenix. And he eventually mm-hmm. burns the sheriff down. And then we That's jump right. back into the present where uh, Rachel, our, our, our subordinate angel from the very beginning of the episode, has summoned uh, Castiel to meet in an abandoned warehouse on Earth, which, Chris, seems like the most awkward way to meet if you're two angels that live in heaven. <laughs> but, I feel like you can, just, you can meet in the celestial realm. But yeah, maybe this you, is you just... can just meet in heaven where you don't have to have a meat suit. Uh, this is but, the easiest place to kill an angel. <laughs> apparently so. And that's she's not there to kill him, but she's she is there to confront him and says that um, they have uh, she has figured out his dirty little secret. Uh, what she's doing, what he is doing with the souls and uh, mm-hmm. is there to demand for him to stop, which which he doesn't. So they she attacks him and they fight. And uh, just real quick. 
uh, I don't really care about this fight a whole lot, but I do, I do want to say that Castiel is, or excuse me, Misha Collins is getting way better at all of this stuff than he was mm-hmm. at the very beginning of, of his. Yeah, the, his the choreography projects. is not half bad. He does this like sweep move with the dagger mm-hmm. down low that like is kind of cool. Um, but she is able to to stab him in the chest, and he just is able to keep it away enough. And I, I like the effect a little bit. She they, gets the tip in. The, you can you can say she gets the, she just she just, just gets the tip, the tip in. Mm-hmm. She just gets just the tip in, and and he's able to sort of keep that like blue white light from from escaping whatever is inside of a of an angel. Um, and then he you know is able to to get get the upper hand and and take her down. Uh, but he's wounded and he he's badly hurt. So he um he zaps to the only safe place on earth bobby's house yeah and he does the first thing that he does is uh crawl over to the uh refrigerator and uses some of his own blood to draw this sigil on the refrigerator that will supposedly protect them from you know angels or what have you but my question chris is why don't all of the angels just have that dude's gps like or address in their gps because you don't need to necessarily find castiel because bobby is always in the same place (laughs) they don't seriously his his house around Like, hey, Castiel's not showing up on any of our, yeah, not showing up on any of our our radar. Should we just check that guy's Bobby's house? (laughs) Do you know that dude Bobby that he hangs out with those two hunks? Maybe we should should go check where they're living. Of course, you know, Bobby's house is pretty big. Like, it's it's at least three or four stories, so it would take them a while to We don't know how many bedrooms are there, so yeah. (laughs) Lots of, lots of The only people who have seen the second floor of that house are Lisa and Ben in that one episode where they stayed here. They got to see the second floor. We still haven't. Well, except for the, it was the the rising of the witnesses that episode. Yeah, yeah. We, we saw the upstairs up. hallway. That's about it. Which looks sufficiently like every hallway that we've heard we've seen in Supernatural. Weirdly, so yeah. We need some we need some mm. fan art of Bobby's mm. upstairs. Yeah, people. If you're if you're if you're an artist, if you feel like drawing some stuff, like maybe maybe get us a couple of pictures of some rooms, or uh, or if you like to write short stories, maybe write a, a short story about floor thirteen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, Castiel, I like I like Bobby's reaction to this. By the way, Bobby says uh, he's like oh, he jumps up and he's like, "Holy crap, Castiel, are we running or are, are we fighting?" Which is a really <laughs> good like reaction from Bobby, I think. Uh, and that's that's pretty much it. Castiel collapses, and uh, we go back to Dean, who uh, mm-hmm. has has new threads. Like he's he's all he's, he's gotten he's, a makeover. Yeah, he's gotten. <laughs> it's a quick one he went on ellen and got his old west <laughs> makeover yeah his old west makeover uh he's looking real real stylish now he's got the duster he's looking like roland from the dark tower and he's 100%. ready to kick some, some kick some butt and um he realizes he's like hey why am i the only one here where is the posse and uh show me the posse show it to yeah. me <laughs> Oh Jesus! Um, but yeah, there is there is no posse, and they they go outside, and the they find the sheriff is dead, and Dean is like, "Well, what the what the hell's gonna do? What are we gonna do now? Who's the sheriff now?" And the the bartender is just like takes the the guy's sheriff badge and pins it on Dean. He's like, "Congratulations! Looks like you're sheriff now." And Dean is like, "Oh shit! What am I gonna do?" But he's also like. Fuck yeah, I'm the sheriff. Hell yeah. Now. This is my this is what I have always wanted. Like that scene. Everybody everybody who grew up watching old West movies wants to have that scene where they get they get the pin, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. We, didn't, we then scoot over to a uh, character we haven't met yet, which is an old white dude who's uh writing in his diary at the desk uh when he's accosted by two cowboys who come in and very quickly uh we realize that uh these two cowboys are demons and they identify mm-hmm. this old dude as Samuel Colt. Um, yes. they want him to open the devil's gate, which yeah. 
callback from season one. I, li- I like this. Uh, they mentioned this too when the, when Sam and Dean asked for it. Like he says, "Oh yeah, he's the guy that's doing all of the. He's the guy that's making all those train tracks around town." Um, mm-hmm. And listeners, you may remember we we first discovered that uh, Samuel Colt basically made a huge Devil's Gate uh, to keep the Gate of Hell inside. So this is. Yeah, yeah. This this is some big shit that that Sam Colt is up to. I really liked this this little throwback because it makes me think that like I mean it was Yellow Eyes who was trying to open that, correct? Correct. I can't remember even what season it was in anymore, but yeah, they were, he was trying to do that. So that means that Yellow Eyes was up to this whole thing since 1860 at the very least. You know, um, it goes back quite a long time, more than a hundred years before the Psychic Kids with Sam and everything started. So. I just really liked that that little callback. It doesn't, you know, go anywhere. It's just a, um, it's just, it's nice. just a fun like little thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he blows these two demons away. Uh, he's got mm-hmm. he's he's got the cult, obviously. And when, we, when he shoots him, style. yeah, we get those uh, that 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 crackling blue light that means mm-hmm. that you know somebody got shot to death. Uh, Dean finds the uh, the deputy. Uh, because he's he's trying to you know put a posse together because he doesn't know where anything is and uh, the deputy yeah. is on his way out. So uh, Dean says, "Well, I'm going to use you as bait so that I can gank Elias." And the deputy's like, "What the hell is a gank? <laughs> what are you talking about?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, Dean's plan is essentially to lock this uh, dude up in the jail cell and wait for Elias to come to him. Uh, but before that happens, Sam and Samuel Colt meet. Chris, why are there so many people named Sam or Samuel in the season? Jesus Christ, it's hard it's, to keep up with to keep these people. They separate. really started mixing things up. I I was kind of curious. I was like, I wonder how Sam's going to go about this. And he's like, Hey, what's up? I'm a hunter from the future. Um, can we talk? <laughs> Here's my Blackberry as proof. And then Samuel yeah. Colt like looks at it and is like, Okay, cool. Looks like a decent Blackberry to me. <laughs> I like that. Sam is like he's he's not trying to form a posse or like enjoy the Western like we've talked about. He's like, yeah, my man, we got 24 hours and like, it's been a while. So like, let's keep it moving. I got to get this info. Um, but he says, he says he's in the future and, and Samuel Colt says, a g- calls him a giant from, giant the, future from the future with, some, with magic some magic brick. brick. <laughs> Doesn't exactly give me the vapors. <laughs> I have that line written um, down to you. I was so good. Um, so he gives him his phone, but then he also shows uh, Colt his own journal. And he's like, mm-hmm. hey, look, I have this from the future. Um, and this is where Colt is like, I'm a retired hunter. I'm not in this anymore. I don't have the cult. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but Sam uses his hunter vision and is like, I, I can tell that you're lying because I walked in here and I can smell gunpowder and sulfur. And there was footprints out front that they don't lead out. Like two people walked in and they didn't come back out. Like you just killed some demons. I know you have the gun. I know this is all happening. Also, I know that you kill a phoenix. And he's like, I didn't kill a phoenix. And he's like, well, um, actually, here, you wrote it down later today you're about to do this shit yeah and uh and he says well don't trust everything you read and that's when we leave this scene uh which is yeah well i think i think we do get some conversation about samuel colt considering the gun a curse because demons are obviously chasing mm-hmm. after him all the time because they they want it Sam's like great okay awesome just give it to me that yeah yeah she's fine if it's a curse give it to me i'll take it i'm, I'm good don't worry about it yeah. uh i'm just trying to take this curse and do something good with it so just give it to me yeah <laughs> i've got experience with curses believe it or not i know i look young <laughs> you're not gonna believe the stuff that i have been through i promise you he even he actually even has a line about that because the guy's like yeah come back when you get a few more years on you and he's like believe me i've got my fucking years <laughs> i've got i've got some scars that were all yeah. uh magically healed by angels so that should tell you right there what i'm going through um uh, so we go back to, to Bobby and Kaz and uh, Castiel is too weak 
to to bring the boys back because uh, I think this is where we we name check the name of the episode. Bobby says you got to pick up the kids from Frontierland, and uh, but Cassiel's too mm-hmm. weak, uh, and he needs to uh, power up. And in order to yeah. do that, he I also has like to- that that Castiel tells Bobby that Rachel betrayed him for Raphael. He just he just straight up yeah, lies. Straight up lies. Yeah. He doesn't like he makes up a thing. Not like she came after me because she didn't like what I was doing. She betrayed me for cat. Like he just either just lies. That just isn't true. That isn't. She was very loyal to Castiel, but she couldn't abide by what whatever bad thing he's doing. Yeah, and that's again uh, painting Castiel in this negative light. Is Castiel's my very good boy? He's my very good special boy, and I love him. Uh, and I, I, my first reaction is to not like this, but at the same time, I, I, I enjoy the, this mystery a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of into this mm-hmm. right now. But he tells Bobby, like, I need to get powered up, and the only way to do that is uh, I have to touch your soul. Yes. Um, Which there is, is a fantastic scene from the outtakes where they just edit this scene over and over because he just is like, I have to touch it, and Bobby goes touch it it's just back and forth with them saying touch it that's really good as the camera zooms in more and more i like that a lot um the 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 danger here of course is uh cassiel describes this as touching a nuclear reactor and that it could Mm -hmm. potentially explode bobby which is you know not good not great Um, so meanwhile, uh, Dean is interrogating this deputy who he has locked up in jail. Um, and as he's doing that to try to fi- figure out like what the deal is, like why Elias is killing all these people, Elias walks in. And uh, Elias, despite being a phoenix, still obeys the ghost rules, so he can't touch iron. Uh, yeah. Which I guess means that all of his guns are like, has, you know, sandalwood grips <laughs> like the gunslinger. But we're not even going to so. get into that. Who cares? Because <laughs> he can't load that gun. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Elias explains that him and his wife were happily married and uh, Elias went to the store like, you know, to get some cigarettes or something. I don't, I don't know what they were doing when uh, the deputy came over and they don't say the word rape, but he says that she, uh, the deputy had her pinned up in the alley um, mm-hmm. as if or pinned up against the wall in the alley. And like, my dude, if you're a deputy and this is broad daylight, what the fuck are you? Did you just grab some poor woman and be like, I'm the deputy. I get to fuck you now. Like that's, that's ridiculous. Pretty extreme. So, and you can just tell immediately Dean's like, I don't want to help that guy. Uh, and then they pin because you know, the, the, the guy comes out, Elias comes out, catches the deputy doing this. And, uh, the deputy pulls the gun, shoots her and then shoots Elias. And of course, Elias doesn't die. And that's when everybody decided to pin on an Elias instead of the deputy, mm-hmm. which like, f- I, I don't, I don't really care about this part very much, but does not make any sense to me whatsoever. Like why the judge or the sheriff went along with this. Like the deputy seems like such a piece of shit that you would just get rid of him. Like what is the deputy? Yeah, I guess cause they're all just probably pieces of shit. So it's just the way it goes. Just, they're just in a big piece of shit family. And then they wanted to protect yeah, one another. This whole big piece of shit community. And yeah, so Dean is like, oh, fuck, well, um, I still got to kill you because I actually don't even give a shit about that guy or saving him, but I like need your ashes. Um, and, you know, he's trying to tell Dean, you need to open that gate because I'm going to kill him one way or another. I'll kill you, too, if I have to. And then he just fucking pulls out his gun and shoots the deputy in the in the cage. Like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, Elias just uh, is like, oh, well, I can't get in there because I've had all my Phoenix powers prevent me from touching the bars or whatever. But I can just grab this gun and shoot him through that. And, and Dean is like, I should have thought about that. I should have yeah, thought of that. Like, I should have thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, that's good. And then there's this whole chase scene. I um, this is this is a small problem with this episode for me. Is I don't understand why Elias is Elias Elias is uh, killing is wanting to kill Dean whatsoever. I know Dean said like, oh, I have to kill you because I need your ashes. Uh, but Elias like ch- literally chasing Dean throughout this this town in this back alley seems. Why doesn't he just leave? <laughs> like it seems like that'd be yeah. the, the best move he could possibly do is just to jet. Um, and while that is happening, um, or while he's not not running away, Sam shows up and he's like, "Hey, man, get the gun. You ready to do this thing or what?" <laughs> yeah, I, I have to imagine there's a cut scene somewhere of him finally convincing uh, Colt to to give him the gun because like they just like the last time we left that that scene. He was not giving it up. So, like, Sam had not won that argument by anything. And then he just shows up in the next scene with the gun, which is good. I'm glad he does. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but, yeah, this is... And yeah. we kind of get... We, we, we kind of build up into a, a climax here. So, we're going to cut back and forth a lot between uh, Castiel uh, slowly but surely touching it. Um, mm-hmm. Reaching inside Bobby's body to touch his soul mm-hmm. while Bobby, like, chews on some leather or whatever to keep from screaming. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dean challenges Elias to a to a showdown at High Noon, which again calls back to the very beginning of the episode. So, so we're, we're going to redo. Very that. cool, very epic. Again, I'm just still not 100 percent sure that Dean would be like, "Yeah, let's do that." I feel like he would do like the double brother bluff move, where he, like, he goes out for like the High Noon. Meanwhile, Sam is up on the rafters with you know the the shot lined up, and he gets him with the Colt from behind. Because I just don't I don't see Dean being that reckless anymore. Season one, season two, Dean he's a wild he's a wild card, but now he's a responsible older adult man and i don't feel like he's just as willy-nilly about these things this is really important you can't fuck this up you can't fuck this up uh presumably if you die in the video game you die in real life like if you die in wild if you die in the wild wild west as the episode description made a point of referencing twice uh you you, presumably you're gonna get brought back dead uh I, i definitely believe and i wanted that to happen i wanted so Sam shows up and it shows Dean grabbing the gun, but I really assumed that he was going to flush Elias out and let Sam sneak up and, and shoot the, the the Phoenix to kill it because mm-hmm. I did not see Dean wanting to draw down. Dean's never been in a, a shootout. I'm like he's never not in a shootout, no. but he's never he could like, get shot by down. a gun. Yeah. Guns are scary. Also, the guy is a Phoenix. <laughs> Let's not forget. Also, like you don't know phoenix. if he shoots fire. He could easily shoot fire. If this was, if this show had like, I don't know, 10% more budget. <laughs> he could have shot fire. You didn't know that. Yeah, he could have shot fire. He could have turned into a bird and, and cooked them all like a Dark Souls boss. And I would, have, I would have been fine with that, by the way. I would have been like, sure, yes, that's what Dean deserves for this dumbass plan that he's put it into motion. Uh, but this is, this is very dramatic. Like, I, I see why they, they wanted to do this. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but I would have, I would have preferred the joke of undercutting the tension with the, the double brother bluff. Uh, rather than uh, Dean just winning, uh, which is what happens. The clock strikes noon. They draw. Dean wins. Uh, they scramble for the ashes. Dean drops the gun on the way, and they are uh, brought back to the present day without the gun and without the ashes. And uh, it's kind of this like melancholy scene where Bobby is in immense pain still. Castiel is mm-hmm. is totally wiped. He has no energy. the The boys failed in their mission. They got so close, but they they totally failed, and they just they have no idea what to do. Yeah. Um. And just when it seems that that all hope is lost, they get a knock at the door, <laughs> which is from the post office, who has a package that has been waiting around for a couple hundred years, addressed yeah. to Sam Winchester. Reason I like this dude is like, all right, hear me out, man. This is gonna sound weird. Are you Sam Winchester? Because We've had this thing going on at work. 
the guys think I'm crazy, but I'm like this guy's got his whole story. This guy has a backstory. Like he's been mm-hmm, living his mm-hmm. life, but he's just a delivery man who Sam slams the door on it a second. But he gives him a package, and um, sure enough, Sam brings it in, and he opens it up. He finds his old cell phone, which has not survived the uh, 150 so years. And um, there is a bottle full of Phoenix ashes. And a note that says that uh, Samuel Colt got the address and the date from uh, Sam's magic brick and thought that he could use this and sent these, these Phoenix ashes. I am totally okay with this, but Chris, this is also some of the dumbest shit ever, right? Like what? Yeah. Yeah. Like what? what, Like I'm trying to like, how did he figure out the Blackberry address book? I was raised in with computers and technology and it took me, I'm going to say two days maybe to figure out how to use a Blackberry address book. The first time I got a Blackberry phone, (laughs) right? Like it's using that little knob does not make a lot of sense. And I used a mouse almost all my entire life. I just can't, I can't see Samuel Colt figuring this shit out. <laughs> right. It's, you know, he's the, he's like the, he's like Papa Hunter and he's just, he's a smart fella. Maybe Sam had saved it right up front. That was his own, his own, uh, background was his, uh, name address and where he was from. <laughs> his SOS contact was just Bobby's house on this day. <laughs> I'm into. I'm. I'm fine with this. By the way, like I, I feel like this is a little bit Deus Ex Machina, uh, but at the same time, like it's it's a fun thing to happen. Like it's 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 a fun win for the boys who who did something right and got a present in the mail from Granddaddy Colt, uh, and I'm I'm very happy with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's really where the episode ends. The boys have now they ha- now have a weapon against Eve. They don't really know how to use it. I don't think we're probably going to learn that the next episode. But uh, we've got to like sprinkle some of it into our coffee, I guess. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just, you know, just turn it into sugar and put it on a cheesecake slice. I'll take a slice of that pie. Says hey, how do you use ash as a weapon? This doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> I don't, dude. I don't know. It does not. How do you put this many ashes in a bottle? Like I don't. Whatever. Uh, but I'm into this. I'm into this episode. I, I like this episode a whole lot. They lean into it really hard. It could have been a lot more jokey, I think, but they kept it pretty low key on the jokes. Like there's some good gags, but like it's not straight played for humor like a like the French mistake or anything like that. Like it's really good and I'm I am all into this. Yeah, for sure. Same. It's like I said before, it just drives forward so well the whole time. The all the plots make sense, everything just kind of pans out and it's fun and it's a great homage to the western genre while also being a really good episode of Supernatural. With the conceit that traveling back in time on a whim is just a thing, but like, whatever, you know, it, it just, it was fun and I didn't give a shit. Yeah, that's, and that's what it comes down to. Like, I will forgive a lot of uh, flaws in an episode if I'm just having a great time. And this episode was a great time from almost the very beginning. Like, I don't care about a lot of it. And uh, I like seeing these boys dressed up in cowboys. <laughs> this this is good stuff. Yeah. Apparently, this happens in um, season 13. I guess spoilers for uh, vague stuff that happens in season 13. And everybody lost their goddamn mind about it. So we're really looking forward <laughs> to return of this in uh, a few years. That's going to be exciting. Also, just remember that photo of Sam in his own house yep. from mm-hmm. the French Mistake. Um, just beautiful. Yeah, somebody uh, I don't remember who told us, but someone wrote to us and said that that was uh, definitely a fake picture that they had like photoshopped on set or something. So, oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just I just wanted to confirm that 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 was not an actual real picture of Sam Winchester no. riding a horse that <laughs> we hold no. in a lasso. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any last thoughts for this episode, Chris? 
no, this is a this is a good one. They it's it's like almost like they had the the two weird irreverent episodes in a row. This one just works a lot better, and actually, it, in a roundabout way, is going to drive home the plot because they need something to combat Eve with. So, and it could have been done with them going to some old crypt somewhere and digging up some weird thing and finding ashes that way. But they just decided, you know, let's fucking have some fun with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they needed a MacGuffin, and I'm glad that this mm-hmm. was the MacGuffin. Like, I th- this was a fun seeing these boys in, in you know cowboy hats and dusters is is a good time. So I'm I am all yeah. the way into this. Um, do, 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 do. I was trying to see there. I remembered there being some um funny trivia for this episode that was just like Bobby makes a Deadwood reference. Um, he was on Deadwood, so oh, there's cool. there's one. Yeah. yeah. Go watch Deadwood, everybody. That's wish. Let's cover that for the podcast next. Just kidding. I've never seen it. <laughs> uh, I I would be I'd be afraid to cover that show. Like you think we cuss now? <laughs> like there's a character on that show, uh, Al Swearingen, <laughs> that's whole gimmick is just to say the word "cunt" as many times as he possibly can. Good uh, lord. Yeah, it's 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 brutal. But uh, but Bobby's really sweet. He's a he's a gold Bobby's prospector. A, oh, sweet boy, that's good. Mm-hmm. He's super nice. Uh, I don't know that I've ever seen Bobby be a villain. I don't know if I've ever seen Jim Beaver be a villain. Have you? No, I, not that I can think of. Um, he's just a good dude. Yeah, yeah. Good for you, Jim, Jim, John, Jim Beaver, John Beaver, whatever your Get name it? is. Jeremy doesn't give a shit what your name is, but he thinks you're a good I guy. I do. I, I like you a lot, but I don't care about you at all. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> oh, this this was the <laughs> this was some trivia for uh, the previous episode, uh, and it's just a it's just a one liner. You ready for this, Chris? Okay, hit me with it. My Heart Will Go On is a hit song by Celine Dion. It is also the theme of the epic 1997 film Titanic. Thank you. The Supernatural Wiki should be taken off the internet for <laughs> offensive comments. <laughs> I think that was that was my favorite one because whenever I, a lot of times the, the trivia is not trivia at all. Like it's just it's just explanation of jokes. It's just sentences. Yeah. Anyway, um I think that's all I've got. Do you want to do the outro and get the hell out of here? <laughs> yeah. Um, where can they find you on Twitter, Jeremy? I'm at JG Greer. What about you, Chris? I am at Local Bones. Podcast is MOTW Cast. Come chat with us. We uh, lots of people have been adding us, saying that they started watching the show. We really, really appreciate that. As we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. we uh, we we got to our first goal, so we're going to be covering the first volume of Supernatural comic books, which I cannot believe is a sentence yes. I'm saying in 2018 about my life. What is this world? Uh, so it you has can been go a wild ride to, to this <laughs> point, but it's, um, it's been crazy. Uh, that's Patreon.com/slash Monster of the Week. Go check that out. You can donate. And you can yes. get access to our Discord channel. Um, you should get if you donate you should get a link to the discord uh, in the thank you message if you're not getting that let me know send me a patreon message a couple of people have been like hey yo where's my where's my link uh, and I don't mind giving that to them they, both people got into it so but if that's not working let me know and I'll, I'll fix that uh, but cool. most importantly thank you for listening and for donating and for yes. leaving iTunes reviews and all of that stuff and listening to the show we, we, we love all of you people and thank you so much for coming on this journey with us yeah, it's it's insane that that people are so nice to us, but it's fantastic. So, so thank you. Uh, it, we are. It just makes us want to do more of this. So, so thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah, I could if I could do this show every day, I would. I promise, but I can't because yeah. frankly, Seriously. I think I'd burn. I think I'd burn myself out on it. <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, too much supernatural. <laughs> We're doing. I'm doing like five hours of, of supernatural a day. I can't. That's too. That's too much. But uh, yeah, thank you everybody. We'll be back next week with two more episodes of supernatural, and uh, talk to you soon. 
Dean's second trip to the park in rear was a marked improvement on his first for two reasons. No sign of Jan- Janine, and Jennifer was working the bar again. Better yet, Jennifer was wearing leather pants instead of tight jeans. Well, 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 Jennifer said when he approached the bar with Sam. Look who's back. They had just come over after helping Manfred lug in his stuff from the 4x4. Why don't you grab us a table, Sam? I don't know where Dean just had a little bit of a lilt there. Dean asked without looking at his brother. Sam smiled. Plenty of tables, Dean. I wouldn't worry. Hey, Jeremy, I see you're back already. Okay. What up? I just raided my uh, hard drive for video game soundtrack and so that I can use more music than just the Skyrim soundtrack. Sure. And uh, man, I got a whole fucking lot on there. I have like like 3,000 songs that are all from video games and I don't even know where to start. Hold on a second and I'll screenshot you my video game collection. See if you need any of it. I can send it to you. Hell yeah. Dude, we did it. 250 bucks. Oh, fuck yeah. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, that's that's the thing. 250 big ones? Mm-hmm. Now I have to buy those comics? Yep. Oh, they're all mixed in with my other soundtracks. So, um, let's see. I've got Bastion, Braid, Symphony of the Night, Chrono Trigger, Diablo 2. I don't have as many as I thought I did. Why do I have Jesus Christ Superstar? Um, <laughs> Katamari, Damacy 1 and 2, and mm-hmm. Killer 7, Metroid Prime, Portal 2, all three volumes, Quake 2. I have the soundtrack for Spider-Man 2, but does not list if it's the movie or the video game. So I'm not, I don't know. I don't Those know what that could vastly be. Vastly different things. <laughs> uh, Binding of Isaac. Legend of Zelda 25th Anniversary Symphony. Uh. <clears throat> um, basically every Zelda soundtrack ever made. So if you're into the into Zelda, let me, let me know. Good to know. I only have the Twilight Princess one for some reason. I've got, like, I don't know why I have this many. Like, this is ridiculous. I thought I had more video game soundtracks, but I guess I don't. I just didn't organize mine into any sort of folder. I used to have specific playlists for whatever but those aren't on my hard drive those are on my ipod so like, sure yeah i guess i could go charge that thing up do it bud do it but i i pulled just from the beginning so i had all of um the elder scrolls soundtrack i got the metal gear soundtrack dark souls one and two um for some reason i have all three fable soundtrack i got the way of the samurai which is one of my favorite games i got that i have a bunch of final fantasy ones dot hack the witcher 2 tomb raider 3 like the ps1 game um and then i just realized oh i bet jeremy's waiting on me so i better go <laughs> start just hop over there it's okay sorry i'm eating a piece of bread you're good i didn't have time to uh eat dinner because i had to watch <laughs> supernatural so <laughs> i thought you watched it last week mm, no i watched one of them last week and then um i started to watch the second one, and then I just never finished it. I meant to do it yesterday, but me and Jess watched a bunch of crappy, scary movies, which were excellent because they scared the ever-living shit out of Jess. Well, that's good. Got mm-hmm. any, any any recs? Any recommendations? No. I wouldn't really recommend them because you would have to believe in ghosts in order for them to be good, and uh, mm. Jess very much does, and I'm always like, because I think I've said to you before, I used to be so into all that stuff. 
it's just like an interest. I just love the idea of it, the spooky idea. But I guess at, at heart, I don't think I do believe in any of that stuff. I just mm-hmm. want to. Um, so I, I like watching the like the. Most people hate these kind of movies. I like the fake documentary movies, um, because as long as they're done convincingly or done in a fun way, then I can like buy it for a little while, and then obviously it reaches a point where I'm like, oh, well, now they saw a ghost, and um, you that's not real. <laughs> but does that uh, apply to uh, serial killers as well? Like, are you into like fake documentary serial killer stuff? Yes, yeah, sort of. Yeah. There's this movie, um, I'm actually supposed to do a podcast about it sometime this month, but the guy hasn't, like, DM'd me back or anything. Um, it's called the Poughkeepsie Tapes. Poughkeepsie Tapes. Oh, I've seen that. Fuck that movie. <laughs> Have you seen it? Yo, yeah, many times. I, I really like that movie. Like, that movie yeah, me too. Works, me too. works for me in a, in a really weird way, even though, like, like, there's so much wrong with it, but it works on so many other levels that I, I really Visually, like it. it's just so striking and fucked up. Like, so I watched that movie. Um, back when I, I think I've talked about this before, I spent a lot of time reading like scary stories, people saying like some creepy guy followed me out of the bar the other night or, you know, my house is haunted. It was just people writing on this forum saying, Hey, creepy stories. Um, it was that like punk music thread that I was on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I would read all that stuff and then people would certain time, sometimes be like, Hey, have you seen this creepy YouTube video or whatever? And there was a clip from the Poughkeepsie tapes, the one where the dude or whoever is like wearing it's a super close-up of the girl's face and she's like crying or whatever and then the, the dude like crawls into the room wearing the mask looking all creepy and he like gets up to the camera it was just a, a clip of that and i was like what the fuck and the person who found the video <laughs> didn't know that yeah. it was from a movie they just shared it and so i watched it just thoroughly creeped out and then a few you know posts later somebody was like oh that's from this movie here's a link to the movie it's a fake documentary about or maybe they didn't even say it was fake because i'm pretty sure i went into the first my first watching of it thinking that it was real i'm pretty sure at a certain point i realized it wasn't but uh yeah i watched that movie freaked myself out then i a couple months later i think i was a senior in high school when that movie came out and there was my friend mark was like he would always go with his other friend to to see horror movies and they're like yeah we even see like you know whatever m night chama movies coming out and uh we'll go to blockbuster and just rent a random horror movie and watch it but nothing has been like scaring us recently. I was like, all right, guys, we, we got to find a way to watch this movie. The Poughkeepsie tapes. And I just told him, I was like, it's real. It's a documentary about serial killer, <laughs> a serial killer, whatever. <laughs> and I had to go to Google video and that's where the link was. And it was just up. The whole movie was just on Google video. And I had to hook my laptop up to the TV, just like my rinky dink shitty laptop. But <laughs> hooked it up to the TV. Like I, I had to keep my laptop open. So there's like two screens. It was my laptop screen and the TV screen. But like I had a couple people over and we just watched that movie in the dark and it freaked everyone the fuck out. And it was awesome. And I, I haven't watched it since then. So I guess it's been almost it's been like nine years. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a good movie. I'll have to watch that again. He's good people, Supernatural Origins. Let's see. I'm finally getting this thing up. It's, it was send free sample. Can I read the fucking free sample, please? I'm being real aggressive. Read now. Thank you. Here we go. Oh, this is just telling me. You can tab. You can go by panel if you want to. Yeah, I don't like the uh, their free flow panel thing. It does. It does an okay job. It just. I don't know. It was. 
like if you're watch if you're reading on your phone, it's actually really good to do that. I think like it, it's easy to re- make it makes comics yeah. easy to read on your phone. But um, uh, yeah, if you're on an iPad, mm-hmm. I just it just frustrates me because I, I just don't like it. This is gonna honestly, this is lame, but I have to get used to um the reading left to right again since I just read manga. I'm so <laughs> oh wow. Really? The other way around. <laughs> I just, I, it's like you train your brain to, to do a certain thing. Because I don't read uh, a lot of regular like American comics. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I just watched one of them right now. You want to just want to get into it? Yeah, I'm into it. Let's do it. <clears throat> Real quick before we start, do you have oh, the oh. do you have Dark Souls des- uh, Design Works? Do you have those that book? Yes. Is it worth it? I have the, I have the one for Dark Souls too. I think I pre-ordered it before it came out. That's why I have this one. Uh, um, is it worth picking what up is, the first one? What is it? What what's the going rate for it right now? Do you know? I think it's like thirty something bucks. Um, I fucking love Dark Souls, right? Like I mm-hmm. I am into some fucking Dark Souls. I uh, I I and I think that book is really really great. Like there's some really cool artwork in there. Like all of the original prototype sketches and stuff like that are just yeah. fascinating to me. The developer interview is really good, although. Like you can just go online and read that developer interview, so it's not like you're sure. learning something. Um, so I would say, yeah, like if you're really into the series and you want to do it, then okay. yeah. But it would be really Maybe, hard for um, me to justify spending thirty five dollars on a hardback book for a game that I only kind of like. But mm-hmm. well, the the Dark Souls, like that dark, like the first game, mm-hmm. um, that's in my top five of all time. So, and I I used to say that all the time, and then I forgot about it because like I forgot that how much I loved it. And I almost forgot about it this playthrough as well. Like you got all of my complaint texts, mm-hmm. um, and it one hundred percent caved down to the fact that I focused on on my faith build and just like I I didn't like playing like that. And the other thing, the other side of that was um, even when I was really frustrated, and a lot of that comes down to, to me and like my mood and uh, the lack of caffeine that has been affecting my mood. Um, it was making me grumpy and whatever, but. When I was playing it, even when I was like actively having a bad time, I didn't want to stop playing. There's something about that game, that whatever. So when I finally got into the groove and I started walking through the game, like I felt like I should have been the whole time, I was like, oh man, I fucking love this video game. And I understand like everything. I just understood like why there is so much surrounding this. And, um, then on, that's the, that's my issue with Demon Souls is I went right into Demon Souls the next morning, and I did it didn't click with me. And now I know that if I want to play Demon Souls, I have to wait at least a week or so. You know, I have to yeah give it some space between Dark Souls and that because I have an expectation of of the thing that I know and love and the thing that I you know by the end of it was like very good at again. And then like I think Mai was telling me you know the timing is different and um whatever. So if I'm going to adjust and, and play and enjoy that game, I got to create the space between the two because I, th- I think I will like Demon Souls, but I'm at the same point that I was when I f- played it the first time and I haven't really had fun with it yet. I haven't been like dying or like banging my head against a wall or anything. It's just sort of like I, it hasn't I haven't found it yet. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. It hasn't clicked. I like like it ha- you, you're it hasn't not in, clicked. That, in that rhythm. Yeah. Um, and all of the I mean, all of the Dark Souls games have clicked right away. I'm just like, OK, here we go. Um, but Bloodborne didn't click. I hated Bloodborne. Like, was pretty 
upset how much I hated the game when I when I first bought it because I couldn't do it. I couldn't play the game. I was so bad at it that I did that first area like nine or ten hours. I spent more time there than I did in Undead Berg because for whatever reason I couldn't click with it. And then hearing how much everybody liked it and then like some of the crazy stuff later on and I, I was like, I can't believe I bought that game and I it's I can't fucking play it. Like I loved Dark Souls one and two. Like what am I doing? Why can't I enjoy this video game? And finally something just changed and I was like, oh fucking god. <laughs> and it clicked. And then it was like I think I ended up breezing through that game easier than I had any of the games before it. Um once it made sense, it just it made sense. Um I still need to go back to play that. I only beat it the one time. I've started a million new games, but I never have beaten it a second time. There's something really special about Dark Souls 1. Uh, it's it's always, every time I pick you up and start playing it, I, it's just, it feels like coming home. Like, it feels like a video game mm-hmm. that I'd probably put a thousand hours into because I have put a thousand hours into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm sure other people have those kind of relationships with other games, but there's a, something... You know, and my level of knowledge on that game is still high enough that I can I can have a lot of fun with it. Like you can just break it in really fun ways. Mm-hmm. Um, even during my big super strength sword run, where I'm just smashing things with a great slab of of metal, I was like, I was thinking to myself, <laughs> what about a great scythe run? Like you can drop down into the catacombs, you can pick up that great scythe, you can drop again, you can hit the green shard, you can switch it to fire using the green shard. So you can start the game with a fire great scythe and just walk through probably the first. <laughs> half of it pretty easily like without without mm-hmm. working work without working too hard uh um and they and the only thing that stopped me is uh the remaster got announced so like yep. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna keep playing that on the xbox one because it's it runs like shit on the xbox really one does. very frankly it really does man uh, it's funny it's that the, uh, the unpatched version it says you defeated when you kill bosses that's fine well, that's, that's the unpatched version it's not that's not unpatched so when they when they oh, patched, thought that they fixed that i thought they, they fixed did it. and then the last patch that they did for the game reverted it back on consoles um because oh, wow. I, I remember when that happened because i was really sad to see you defeated go um and then all of a sudden it they did it that what they said was going to be the last patch it was after they uh, released the dlc and they switched back and everyone was so excited because it, it has the you defeated back in there so i'm i did not know yeah. that. that's awesome yeah i'm excited yeah. to i was gonna do the painted world and i was going to um well i couldn't do the dlc i wanted to um but i just when i was at the end of the game i just decided i was like all right you know what i'm gonna play this game again in five months when it comes out or four mm-hmm. months whatever it is um let's I'll just I'll do the painted world and I want to leave some like content that's still like fresh. I only did the painted world once, I think. Every all my playthroughs, I always just like went through the game, the main chunk of it. I mean, and I only did the DLC once because now I can't fucking play it again on my PS3. Yeah, uh, the painted world is really good. It's uh, I, I I found I got stuck there my first run um, just because I. <clears throat> somebody had told me to go get the doll right and they were like it's something yeah. you're gonna do something with it so i was like oh okay cool and uh of course i like i went to that painting and i was like interact of course oh oh wait i can't oh no i have no idea what to do and uh it was it was it was a bummer of a day or two because those fucking bloated head toxic spewing monstrosities mm-hmm. and, I, and i had some blooming purple stuff and i knew how to cure toxic from blight town 
but I had no idea, you know, I only had a few of them and I couldn't buy more in painted world. So, you know, I hadn't figured out the fire trick yet. So every time they died, I was coated with toxic. And so I would just (laughs) start making suicide runs to try to open shortcuts and things like that, which was not a lot of fun. Like that's what I ended up doing with uh, dark souls three in some cases, like just making suicide runs to open up shortcuts. And that's not, it's not the Mm -hmm. way to experience those games. And I think that's why. No. And that's what I've been doing in demon souls. Yeah. So I need to back up on that it's i think that's what happens when you it's a it's a weird line between wanting to play a game and wanting to finish a game i think mm-hmm. uh and I, I was very much once i start getting to the point where i want to finish a game i start having as much fun with it as opposed to just wanting to play it and yeah like that's what, I got, that's what dark I got souls there always with, is for me i got there with dark souls 3 which is the only game that i played while engaging with other people about it and um I felt like I guess I was more of a compulsion to finish it because everybody was playing it and I wanted to I wasn't I was part of the conversation for like 45 minutes and then I fell behind. But um I think you're the only one that's finished it out of everybody, right? What? Dark Souls, Dark Souls 3? Oh, Dark Souls 3. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was I Oh, was... oh yeah, yeah. I think out of these new playthroughs I think I am. But no, mm-hmm. Dark Souls 3 when it first came out. Um Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. My bad. But then I ended up, yeah, I don't like remember anything from that game. I didn't do New Game Plus. I just played it once. And then I made another new character and started going through stuff because whatever, that's what I always do. But um, my experience with it was so limited and I, I beat it at um, I want to say, well, no. I couldn't have done this because you can't beat the game and then continue playing, can you? If you beat yep. the final boss, can you, you, do you have an option mm-hmm. to keep going? Dark Souls 2 and 3 both let you Okay. Uh, like dark souls 3 you have to sit at the bonfire and like continue that's your right. journey or whatever so that's right so okay so i i beat the game at 24 hours and then i cleaned up every optional boss i think at 33 hours and then i was like what the hell <laughs> how was that this whole game how am i done uh and that was kind of it i guess i don't know where i'm going with that but I'm just <laughs> just just talking about souls <laughs> Yeah, I felt bad because I didn't get to play Dark Souls this weekend like I intended to. I was going to play it on Saturday and then found out um, I had scheduled a podcast oh. and then didn't include it on my any of my spreadsheets or anything. <laughs> so I didn't have a, a tracking like I don't because that's the way I track everything is just mm-hmm. put everything on a spreadsheet. And uh, the chick emailed me and she was like, hey, are we still good for the Saturday? And I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I had one set up for that morning. So I kicked her out a little later because I didn't want to put it off. Um so I was podcasting until like 1230 and then Autumn got done with what she was doing. And she's like, do you want to get some gumbo? So we went and had, cause it was freezing here. So we both had mm. a giant bowls of gumbo and they came home and took a big nap. And then there was no time to play Dark Souls after that. It hit almost, I think it was like 54 degrees on Friday. Uh, it became impossible to sleep. It was a nightmare because of the humidity and my mm-hmm. bedroom is basically an attic. So it, it just sucks. <laughs> it just like, it was an addition on, to the house so it's just like it's just a nightmare um but today and in sunday it it got so cold so fast it's not as cold as it was previously but it is incredibly bitter and it feels like uh it's supposed to get down to uh 26 degrees tomorrow yikes dude and uh we're supposed to get snow the only good thing about that is if it snows then i just don't leave the house nobody does yeah i'm a 
um, all of, none of my customers need me when it's snowing because I'm useless mm-hmm. to, for for actual emergency situations. Um, so I just I just stay at the home at house and you know maybe I'll play some Dark Souls. I don't know I don't know what I'll do tomorrow. This um my company just sixteen won't. degrees on Wednesday. What the fuck? That's Sorry, like some I, that's some Massachusetts shit. This sucks. That does suck. You better put on two pairs of denim shorts. <laughs> one upper and one lower upper deck shorts yeah. and lower deck shorts. <laughs> upper deck shorts gotta keep those thighs warm. You gotta keep them th- gotta keep yeah, your shorts good, you man. You don't just wear a pair of de- jeans. You've got uh, upper deck and lower deck shorts. Yeah, yeah. I've got individual leg wrappies made out of <laughs> denim that I have converted from jean shorts with a little <laughs> elastic crotch that goes between them. <laughs> shorts oh did you just send me your weather i did look at that shit in 70 degrees on sunday that's bogus. that is that you know what chris i agree that that is bogus we're uh well this today's gonna be the coldest day this week the rest of the week we're getting 30s and 40s i'm happy with that nice all right let's do the podcast it's getting late i gotta eat dinner okay i just took my glasses off i can't see shit now jerry <coughs> good job I'm going to try to keep all of that phlegm out of my voice if I can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am Jeremy Greer. So am I. And this is, <laughs> and this is podcast. <laughs> the podcast where we podcast about podcasts. Sorry. <laughs> Coming up first this week on Jeremy Greer. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Greer. I'm Chris Mosier. <laughs> what? I said it. No, no, you did it. You did it fine. I just, I was, I just, I just blanked. That you was big dumb goof. <sighs> okay. Take three, everybody. Got it. It doesn't make any damn sense. Um, we so move the, uh, out of there pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna say you'll have to. You might have to edit this part out. For some reason, you're breaking up a ton, and mm-hmm. you were perfectly clear like before we started recording. So I don't know if it's my end. But, uh, of course. So if I apologize if I talk over you, it's because I can't hear you. Let me um, let me put a marker in. Uh, let me see if I'm like accidentally downloading anything or something. I turned off all my Wi-Fi for everything but my computer. Um, actually, I think I know what this is. I downloaded all of the uh, PS Plus stuff, and I bet that is just downloading. Give me, you have one second. Uh, yes, <laughs> I'm just gonna go um, check out if I like any of these PlayStation Plus games and play them for a little bit. If I don't like them, no, I'm kidding. I'm just gonna go unplug the cable. Oh, okay. Back. Yeah, let me know. <laughs> Now Dean did look at Sam. I think I can handle carrying two beers. Not to mention dumping one of them over your head if you don't get us a table. Without another word, but with a particularly annoying smile, Sam went off to find a table in the raised section on the side. Jennifer raised an eyebrow. What, Dean? You don't like hitting on older women in front of witnesses? First of all, I don't buy that you're an older woman. Sure, 
You pulled that food in the freezer remark last night. I think that's a load of crap. And you're really 24. I'm thinking you get hit on by someone. Oh, Jeremy, are you back? Yeah, I'm here. I didn't go very far. My router is right here. Let me finish one goddamn paragraph in this fucking book, man. <laughs> I, I haven't actually listened to one of these live, so let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready to move on? Yeah, for sure. Cool. I'm going to uh, go for your full water. I'll be right back. Sure, you pulled that food in the freezer remark last night, but I think that's a load of crap. And you're really 24. I'm thinking you get hit on by so many losers in here that you pretend to be a single mom to drive them off. And they're really a hot babe in her 20s who's just fussy. By this time, Jennifer had started pouring his Brooklyn lager without, even, without him even specifying what he wanted. You know, Dean, you gave this a lot of thought. Yeah, I did. Okay, so this is... This is this author's idea of like what I guess is appropriate for hitting on a woman, which I mean, it could be worse, but he's like telling her, I don't know. It's weird. Y'all, y'all know it's weird because I just read it. Yeah, I did. In fact, he had only just thought of it as he'd been too busy breaking into houses, meeting cops, sleeping, psychoanalyzing dad, trying to find information on Arthur Gordon Pym. Unfortunately, they couldn't find any anybody that with that name in any city record. His website admitted to his name change, but it looked like he hadn't done it legally, and there was no indication of what name he was born with. Placing Dean's drink on a napkin on the bar, Jennifer said, Sorry to disappoint you, but it's all true. Took Billy to soccer practice this afternoon and everything. They're making him forward. Good for him. Dean had no idea what that meant, really, but he assumed it was not to be, it was not to be a bad thing. So what's Sam getting? Uh, Bud Light for Mr. Wuss. Hey, Jennifer said. What you got against Bud Light? Nothing, Dean said. I just prefer beer. Wow. That finally got a smile out of her. Jeremy, you there? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Jeremy, you're not allowed to listen in on these. <laughs> I have to listen on them. That was my private time. <laughs> That's not that your private, private time. That was my private time. And you're not allowed to enter. It's just Dean, Dean Winchester hitting on this woman. Would would definitely drink some Bud Light. Like what Dean Dean Winchester yeah. is not a beer snob by any means, right? That's none of none of what was written here was Dean Winchester. It was 100% Keith R.A. Dake. Canido, whatever this guy's name is. That was the author through and through. Really makes you wonder if they What's, when they do this stuff, do they ever uh, actually like did they have these authors watch the show? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I wonder. <clears throat> All right, you ready? Let's do it. Eight o'clock, holy smoke. All right. 